The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. Hi, I'm Jacob Cooper. Welcome to the Intermediate Line, Australia's only fly fishing podcast, where shit talk happens and jet skiers can piss off. Now here are your hosts, Chris, Night Stalker Adams, and Jeff, heck yeah, Volta. Cheers. This episode of the Intermediate Line is brought to you by Nervous Waters, the place to go for your premium fly fishing requirements. Nervouswaters.com.au And Beast Brushes, Australian-made brushes and dubbing, professionally graded natural materials, plus a pool shop for all of your fly tying needs at beastbrushes.com. Welcome back to another week, folks. How you feeling, Ooh. Volts? You feeling good, bro? Yeah, mate. On top of the world. Oh, I forgot to world. ask. Forgot to ask you while the mics are warming up, dude. You got that? Uh, you got that sub player for this show? Sub player? What sub player? Oh, uh, <laughs> totally got you, man. <laughs> it fucking worked, bro. Killed it. Oh, you know what? Man. Suck yeah. it, Flyfush. That that thing totally worked. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make that work for people that are playing along at home. We got a uh, we got some constructive criticism on the Instagram page there by one of our listeners, who you know I don't mean suck it, fly flush. You know I totally respect you listening to us, dude. But yeah. I just uh, I took it to heart that you said that the um, that the up dog segment on the last one with Deacon wasn't funny. So I had to make it work, and I fucking got you, bro. I yeah. got you so good. So yeah, I feel I feel energized now. Yeah? Yep. You got me, mate. You got me good. Yeah. Got you good. Didn't yeah, see it. Yeah, you know who else go. you got? Fly Fush. The guy. He, he's uh, <laughs> Rich Knowles. He's over in the USA. Hell yeah. Well, that's that. Uh, internationally, I've transcended mm. borders with my comedy. Yeah. Yeah, that joke was or, sicker than... For lack of a better description, yeah. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Yeah. Been uh, Deacon show performed quite well. It was good, man. It was good that we um, we we wrote we rose like a phoenix out of the ashes of our dud <laughs> fishing show. <laughs> Deacon brought us back. Yeah, I, I I refer to that that fishing show as the fatigue show, mate. Jeez, we were tired, so fucking tired. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah but Deacon, he's a champion. He, he lifted us off the canvas, and um, you know everyone loves hearing about Xmouth and. Man, that guy lives there and fishes there, and he's obviously really good at it, so it's really good to hear from him, mate. i tell you what, one good thing that for the listeners that, that's come from this show, i tell you what, um, uh, we actually got feedback from, from BCF about talking at the end there in regards to getting spin rods for more effective fishing. Mm. It's amazing that they've come on board, and I want to offer the listeners something very special. Just just head over to the BCF website, 
and type in aggressive in the car and you'll get a 35% discount. How good's that? That's amazing. Thanks, BCF. Yeah, yep. legend. It's BCF and awesome. Aggressive, but it's got to be in capitals, like proper aggression, you know. Does it? Is that what they said? Yeah, 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 Aggr absolutely. Aggressive, not aggression. Yeah, I know, but it's like, you oh, know, you when someone's yelling, you know, yeah, like on, yeah. on, with their keyboard, they, they type in caps. Might need to suggest an exclamation mark. Or maybe, yeah. maybe even, maybe, wouldn't it be good if they we could submit as a discount code, a picture of Josh Radloff's head. <laughs> you know, or just just the top lip, you know, just, as, uh, oh, as in, in, in lieu of the word aggression. Yeah. Aggressive, mm -hmm. sorry. Yeah. Oh, well, we, yeah. can only, oh, we can only dream, dude. 35%. That's only really dream. Aggressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Is that> uh, <laughs> So yeah, man. Yeah. Well, that's not. It's a bit more than thirty. Yeah, thirty-five percent aggressive. In fact, Josh is a lot more thirty-five percent aggressive. You'd have to know the bloke to know what we're talking about. And well, I must apologise on behalf of the entire cast and and production crew of the Intermediate Line to make things so local when you don't know Josh. But if you knew Josh like we did, you realise that we need a vent. It's a lot funnier when you know Josh. Trust me. Yeah. Or with his pseudonym. Uh, sorry, his, his alter ego, Dita Hams. <laughs> anyway let's not expand on that um because it's not nice um <laughs> i'm excited for tonight's show we've got a, we've got a really good guest on i guess we could briefly talk about that without before we get into current events a little bit yeah um so we've got um we've got a guy on who is based in the middle east uh in in oman in fact and he is a uh, well, he's got a set up there. He's a guide, African, um, sorry, Arabian fly and sports fishing. Mm -hmm. And he is, um, out of, for the interest of us, he's everything he catches, but more, more specifically, he targets Africanus permit. So another one of the uh, Trachonotis. Mm -hmm. Did I say that correct, Bolts? I think so. I, I, it's a Latin name, so it's yeah. probably open for debate. You are the resident grammar <laughs> coach here. Yeah. Having gone, having gone to grammar school. Yeah, yeah. Look, the um, that genus or, or family is has got everything in it, mate. It's got dart. It's got um, four commonly accepted species of permit that you know from a fishing point of view. Mm. Um, and the Africanus is probably well, we'll find out tonight, but um, probably the most limited in terms of where you can go to chase it. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's worked out a, a fishery that's consistent enough to, well, not consistent enough, consistent to guide for them. Mm. Which um, I don't. Uh, have you? Do you know of anywhere else in the world that has a professional? Excuse me, a professional outfit like that that um, can target Africanus. I'm, I'm unaware of. One. I'm not saying there isn't, but yeah, I just, I haven't come across it. <clears throat> the question yeah. was. Are you aware of one? So your answer is quite suitable. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that's great, mate. Look, it's um, yeah. I um, I've been um, um, talking to Brandon for a while. Uh, he's he's a he's a customer through Beast Brushes, and that's how I got to know him. And um, and eventually just said to him, mate, you, I'm not going to sell you anything else till you come on the show. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's a, a nice guy, mate, and he's um easy to talk to and we just got talking and uh yeah invited him on six hour yep. time difference though so um it's going to be um 
early afternoon for him and late yep. night for us. And uh, I understand he's a very busy man, so he's... Um, very busy man, yes. He's taking very... the day off today. Yeah, yeah. It's in his season, then he's taking the day off. So Very, very busy, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking of busy, um, I've been busy lately, Volts. Thanks for asking. Yeah, mate, you've been busy? Been busy. What have you been busy with? Just just being busy in general, but um, but Get one busy. of those... Ask, speak, beg your pardon, sorry, mate, question? Getting busy. Uh, yes, getting busy, in fact, yes. Um, uh-huh. Well put. Articulate as ever. Um, uh-huh. however, however, I want to let you know that... Um, that the uh, that I recently released a series of uh, of how to tie flies on these held on beast brush and it's been going really well. There's a lot of guys that have been giving me some positive feedback and stuff, and I just um, wonder there was a couple of things I want to mention as a public service announcements on this, but I also want to let you know that it's um it's going well. And to other people that didn't know, it's there, it's there for it's a while, there. so there's no rush to it, but it's there if you want it. Hey mate, what patterns do you have up? I'm glad you asked, mate. I've got um, I've got uh, my version of a linked minnow, which is now being popularised by Blaine as a game changer. Um, mm-hmm. I've got uh, my version of a Benback. Uh, I call it a Benback Deceiver, but it's not really a Deceiver. Um, you'd have to see the video to see what I'm talking about there. Um, and I have also got um, uh, a, a Bass Vampire on there. I moved a couple of videos over from YouTube, but I've got my own invention there the slow water game changer which was um which was a high in demand it took me a long time to make that video but it's a long video it goes from an hour and 27 it's very very detailed as detailed as i can get it not only on how to tie it like all the videos not only how to tie it but explaining the reason why you tie it that way and yep. and um so you can understand how that's done and and apply your own creativity to the fly to suit your own fishing scenario so not only are teaching you how to tie it, but but the reason it's tied that way, and um, and we've mentioned plenty of times on the show hydrodynamics. That word yep. comes up a few times in the in the in the videos there. But I've got diagrams and stuff. Those who've seen it, like there's been a lot of them that have um that have been downloaded now. Um, yeah, all around the world, it's been good. Um, so yep. I hope it's uh, hope people are getting it. Made it, it fill my heart with joy to know that um, people are getting a lot out of it because it's you know a lot of people have commented that I should charge more for it, but um. How much yeah. are you charging, mate? Ten bucks. Ten bucks. What a bargain. Australian. How much is a packet of brush? Uh, eighteen dollars Australian. How much is a buck tail? Oh, uh, they're probably going to get be a lot dearer than twenty bucks now with this postage shortage and stuff like that. So, yeah. Well, wow. pretty, pretty cheap. Pretty cheap. Yeah. 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 It, it is. I know it sounds biased <laughs> when I say it's pretty cheap, but um, but it is, and um. You know, and I did feel did feel a bit bad about. Um, I don't want to get down a deep dark rabbit hole, but I did feel bad a little bit about doing it. But, mate, that slow water game changer. <laughs> I've seen so many people try to try to rip that off and tie it and rename it. So at least um, I take a little bit of money from because it's my job. So it is what it is. But without banging on about that. But I will. I wanted to wanted to morph into uh, something else in regards to that video for people who are listening, who've got it or are looking to get it. Yeah. Um, I wanted to um, I wanted to make um, real clear the definition of a part of that video there, so people can can understand it because it is created a little bit of time for me, and I'm I'm hoping that you know through this brief moment of education that it can relieve me of some time through my day as well. 
What's going on, man? I just wanted to let you know that 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 the that the two letters put together, IP, isn't describing going to the toilet. It's not. It's also not someone's initials. It stands for internet provider. <laughs> and um, some, <laughs> I've got a security function in there like that um, that stops people from sharing it. If it's if it's viewed on more than one IP address, an automatic function comes up to shut it down. Um, so um, a lot of people are triggering that and going. But I I you know like I um I watched it on my, I I watched it on the same device and um, yeah. Hang on, someone just sent me a text message. This this just in. Oh, internet protocol. I thought it was internet yeah. provider. That's uh, right, man. Yeah. I weep for my level of education. <laughs> I'm not too proud to admit you, look, that, to, to I, that I'm fair, there. I'm there. Probably confused with ISP, internet service provider. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And I. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Volts. You, uh, you. <laughs> God damn it, Flyfush is probably killing but, himself laughing right now. But listen here, you derps. Not you, Chris. But if, 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 but it applies if you to play, me. If you play Chris's videos on multiple devices, um, it's, it's set to automatically um, uh, notify and, and disqualify you. And why is that, Chris? Because people are bastards. And they yeah. um and they want some that uh, they yeah 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 they want <laughs> they want to steal so yeah there you go want give it to their mates or something like that is that what you're concerned about or yeah yep yeah yep. I mean it's up to people to see the value in it uh, I say this all the time like I'm not saying uh, you know all I'm doing is advertising the service but there's plenty mm. of free videos on YouTube you can go you don't have to pay for anything yeah. Yep, happy days, um, mate. Just skimming, skimming through that. Um, uh, I believe that you were on a learn to surf jetty through the week, right? <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to work this into the conversation, but yeah. So uh, for listeners, Chris and I, um, we uh, we met up to have a cast of some rods. Uh, we're very impressed with them. The new rods from. Um, uh, Thomas and Thomas, or as as Chris likes to call them, Tom Toms, Tom Toms. Mm. Um, so yeah, we had a cast of the the uh, Sextant Nine, which is their premium saltwater um, uh, offering it in a nine weight. And um, look, all I say is just go have a look at the website if you want to know about the technologies in it. I'll t- I will tell you this: it was um, it was beautifully finished. Um, you know, amongst one of the best finished rods I've ever seen. Great cork. Um, really thoughtful choice of hardware, um, <clears throat> but all of that's irrelevant compared to how it cast it. It was uh, it is amazingly quick recovery. It felt alive. It, it really handled the um, the line. I chose to put over. It's one I, I fish. Uh, you've heard me talk about it a lot. It's a um, it's an, it's an intermediate tip, fifteen foot intermediate tip um, flats pro from Rio, mm. and um, you know for for me that. You know, it's just a line I'm familiar with because I've used it a lot recently. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it performed that really well with that. I was I was pretty impressed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the reason I called it Learn to Surf for the listeners is because it was blunt tits off down there. It was mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, there was, <laughs> there was. I went. I I said to Vols, "Meet me here," thinking that the wind will be offshore on the, on this lake. Want to cast it over the water? Yeah. Give it a, to give it a fair go. The wind the wind wasn't coming from the intended direction, and it was blowing straight into our face. You know, it was a good. It was probably a good fifteen to twenty knots, easy. So it was um, and it still didn't stop us from punching a full line. You know, which we can do with the rods we're used to as well. But it was remarkably effortless. When you're using a line that's familiar to you in the first place, um, mm-hmm. in a tough situation, that's for sure. Really not. Like, just trying to be objective about it because we've only been given them to sort of have a look at, you know. And it's um, um, yeah, they just yeah. I just feel well. On the other, we we like to um, we like to be sort of information sharing on the podcast, and I think it's fair enough information. It's it's our industry. It's uh, it's a good tool. It's a new product, and yeah, fair, just just sharing the honest opinion. I guess we're not. It'd be fair enough to say that we're not really telling people anything they wouldn't discover for themselves. Like, I think I mentioned last week when we were talking talking about I was fishing with Kurt with Barra. He had a cast of it, and he he said the same thing. He was casting further than what he was casting with his rod. He was used to all day in a couple of casts. Pretty yeah. amazing. And these are only. I mean, can't pretend to know the know the rod any more than than that really yeah. than what we know it. So, initial thoughts, pretty positive. Yeah. Mm. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Mm. Yeah, mate. Yeah, no, it is interesting stuff. So yeah, uh, no, mate. Um, so, are you going to take advantage of that that BCF code? You think? Yeah, I probably will. Uh, I need a yabby pump, maybe some crab pots, cast yep. net. Um, definitely some catch scent. You know. Oh, so, yeah. Absolutely, mate. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Um, nothing suits a yabby fly more than that, mate. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. Um, never, so, never. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah. So it was, um, so yeah, mate. Um, I've lost track of what I was going to say. I mean, did we end up getting those um, up players sorted out or not? I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Look, what do, what do you say? There's no there's no need we need to drag this intro out. What do, you, what do you say we just get Brandon on, eh? Let's do it, man. Let's get him on. I'm pumped for this one. Yeah, I'm pumped too, mate. Um, this is this intro is going to be a lot shorter by the time I um edit out my definition of IP as well. But um, I'll leave it in got, there, mate. We still have plenty in the can. Yeah, I'm not too proud to admit it, mate. You know, and then that's <laughs> you've done your job there. You've picked up the slack as the grammar advisory board for the uh, intermediate line um, corporation yeah well played. maybe my job maybe not who knows um it, well that's that's the that's the beauty of doing that job well no one really knows yeah yeah hey did i All tell right, you mate. i won a lithium battery today what yeah i did i you won a lithium what? battery a lithium boat battery 24 volts i don't know how many amp hours it is and a charger to go with it are you serious? Yeah, mate. The good, the good folk there at BLA Lifestyle. You can find them on uh, Instagram. Blah. At BLA Lifestyle. Blah um, Lifestyle. Yeah. At, Is that how uh, you say it? You say BLA, do you? Blah Lifestyle. I've just yeah. been calling it Blah. Blah. Yeah. 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 When I see two that two of those shops side by side, guess what I call it? Blah. No. <laughs> 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 I call it left and right. Um. <laughs> So tell us about tell us about this. How did how did you win this this um? Did you steal oh. it? 
no, no, it was this, this competition's called Supercharged by Minn Kota. So they're the importers of um, Minn Kota into Australia and Humminbird and a host of other great marine products. And um, and in particular, one of their newest products is um, uh, some lithium-ion batteries, which, you know, most people are, you know, uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you'd be aware of the advantages, um, you know, longer run times in terms of, uh, you know, the drawdown. You can you can draw them right down if you want. They, um, they have uh, battery management systems on board that communicate via Bluetooth with your phone, tell you what's going on, um, you know, way, way quicker charging. Um, and they're lighter. Uh, they only, I think, a seven-year warranty. Um, so yeah, they're they're good gear. Everybody uh, is jumping on them, and you're probably saying, "Why haven't I got one?" Well, they're already um, they're quite expensive. So yeah, you um, you scumbags can't can't put yourselves in the upper echelons like Volts can. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, they had a competition on Instagram. Supercharge your your um your Minn Kota and you you just put you know put in a photo of your current setup and. And say why why they should give you a new one and why you'd like a new one I should say and you know I just mentioned um and you know need to tidy up the existing existing setup so yeah it, I've described the the um, Minkota on my boat for the for, for my boat and the style of fishing I do is probably the the MVP the real MVP as the cool kids call it um for for that reason you know it's um, polling for me would be the ultimate but my boat's unpolable. Just, just not suited to it. Yeah. Have you, have you? Yeah, right. Okay, that's that's really interesting. So, you just won it by telling them that you're messy, right? You could look at it like that. Haters might say that. You know. Oh, but, just just simplifying yeah. it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's pretty cool, Bolts. That's um, that's that's amazing. How do you think they selected you? By that, or uh, do you think it was like a random generator, or? I don't know, mate. I mean, they might know class when they see it. Who knows? Oh, you never but, know, uh, mate. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm stoked to win it and um, can't wait to get it in there. Yeah. When do you get it? Uh, pretty soon. Pretty soon. Yeah. Mate, those tilapia you're eating get smashed when you get that thing right. <laughs> Sneak up on them, mate. Oh, I'll <laughs> bloody pound them. Yeah. Your, your boat's liable to ride different with uh, with that reduction in weight too. You know? Yeah. It, I it, mean... Probably in a in a like in a positive way, of course, but uh, but you'll you'll probably notice it, eh? Yeah, maybe, hopefully, yeah, yeah. Interesting. What what is the weight difference? You said it's a massive weight reduction. Do you know what the difference? Is? Oh, it, it depends. Like to, to get an apple and apple, <laughs> apple versus apple comparison, um, you know, it, it could be as as much as twenty five kilos per per battery. Um, yeah. So, Cheapest creepers, man. That's like one of your biceps. Well, the biceps won't be as big. Not lifting those batteries in and out of my boat all the time, mate. So it's just yeah. a win-win. You see, you lose a bit of muscle bulk. You lose a bit of battery bulk. Yeah, you get a bit more top-end speed. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Crazy, mate. That those uh, those mud island singles are going to be. Uh, you're going to be the first one there. Well, I'll be the quietest one there. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually, yeah, probably be the the first one there, and I'll be going longer you know stronger oh, yeah. and longer <laughs> yeah yeah you might you yeah wow man that's cool those singles won't know it's hit them yeah yeah, it's good, yeah. all right let's do it all right there welcome back folks and with us we've got brandon king uh from arabian flying sports fishing 
How are you, Brandon? Great. Uh, nice to finally chat to you guys. Um, I've been chatting to you a bit about flies, your flies and stuff, but it's nice to uh, nice to have a proper conversation about fishing. Yeah, yeah, we've been, yeah, exactly. We've been talking a fair bit on um, on Instagram, but uh, it's good to put a uh, a voice to the account, let's so to speak. Um, and uh, mate, what an interesting area. We're re- definitely really keen to um, learn more about that part of the world, uh, what you do there, the fishing that's available there, and I'm sure we'll cover it all tonight. But uh, I guess right off the bat, I need to ask you: um, Can you tell people what? your uh, Instagram handles are so they can go and watch now and maybe follow along with the podcast. Um, so our, our company Instagram is Arabian fly sport fishing. Yep. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all, all we use. Everything goes through that. So um, uh, it covers an array of things we, we do. We mainly fly fishing, but we also do quite a bit of blue water fishing. Um, so it, you can see it all on there. What, what we're up to down here. Sure. Uh, it it yep. broke up a bit there. I don't know. Did you hear that, Volts? It was at, at Arabian Flying Sportsman. Just, just that's how it's done, is it, Brandon? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All, all one word, mate. Arabian Fly Sports Fishing. Yeah. 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 One word. Arabian Fly Sport Fishing. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Mm. Uh, I mean, for anyone to go and look, it's it's a it's a fantastic account. It definitely um, conjures a lot of images of of the area. Um, like you said, it's your it's your business account. Yeah, so these are all um, uh, customers, clients, fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the odd picture of myself or, or my wife when we get a day off to go fish, but mainly, mainly it's all clients coming out to fish. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, that's pretty good. Um, all right. Well, that's uh, that's good. So people playing along, check it out, getting on there and um, follow along because um, you're going to hear a heap about it right now. Um, I guess let's learn a little bit about you first of all, Brandon. Mate, are you are you? Uh, have we mentioned where you're at? What country you're in? You're, you're in Oman, right? I'm pretty sure we mentioned that. Yeah, I'm in Oman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, I live in Oman, in southern Oman, in a in a little town called Salala, right in the south. Right. Okay. Mm. So, so are you from there? Is that is this where you're? Um, no, I'm South African. So I'm from South Africa. Yeah. Um, on Durban on the east coast. Um. Grew up fishing, um, got straight into guiding straight out of school. I uh, was lucky enough to be able to guide in some some epic destinations, um, blue water and mainly flies, so Mozambique, uh, Madagascar, Seychelles, uh, all, all the Indian Ocean sort of thing. So I kind of learned a lot going through all of that and then finally settled down in Oman. Wow. So, um, Brandon, what made you settle down in Oman? Um I was working in the Seychelles uh, on an island called Alphonse, and uh, I had just met my, uh, I met a girl, she's now my wife, uh, she was living in London, and we wanted to do something together, because I couldn't live out on an island for eight months of the year, and she lived in London, and she's mad keen fly fisher lady, um, uh, <laughs> and she wanted to leave the city as well, type of thing, so we wanted to do something together in the fishing industry, and it was uh rather try and start our own operation than, than work for somebody else so we we had a couple places that we would we thought about maybe going to try look australia was actually one of them because you guys have amazing fishing um but uh, it's it's quite far from where we both sort of our, our home countries um and then i had a friend tell me about the permit fishing in oman so we came out here did an exploratory and found some amazing things and then decided to start a company wow wow so Permit actually drove. And then we got married. <laughs> you got married. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's excellent. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty unique, actually. I, I don't know too many uh, too many relationships that started because of fly fishing and ended up in marriage. You know, I've, I've heard yeah. a few go the other way that um, ended up separating. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so Brandon, so the fly fishing for you started in, in South Africa. Uh, how did you uh, cut your teeth and learn the fly fishing? Is it is it uh, a family sport? Um, uh, so in South Africa, most guys grew up uh, bait fishing in the surf. So so I grew up doing that quite a bit, and then fishing for bass inland and things like that. And then my uncle lives in Newfoundland, and he was a, a keen fly tire fly fisherman. And we I went on there went there on holiday when I was maybe 12 or something mm. and uh, he, he got me instantly hooked I mean uh, I was over there and all I wanted to do was fly fish I, I didn't want to do any sort of other type of fishing after that and then from then on it's I'll do other fishing but my main my main thing is just fly it's it's, it's just definitely got me hooked yeah okay yeah that's that's yeah right so from there you know when did you start um, working at Alphonse um, so uh, I finished school, went straight into guiding. I guided uh, a couple years in Mozambique, and then after that, I went to Alphonse maybe 2012, around there for about three seasons. Um, and that's that's also that's just all fly fishing. And then from there on, I moved moved up to Oman. Okay, that's that's pretty that's that's um that's pretty good, eh? That's uh so so is it? Uh, do you mind if I ask? Because you said like you left school and went straight. Oh, I didn't ask how long you were at Mozambique for. I suppose because it just sounds to me the timeline for some reason. I was going to ask how old you were to sort of go from when you left school to now. How long that's been? But uh, um, well, what, I, I've been doing it for uh, I think fifteen years now. Sort of yeah, hopping okay. from place. Um, so a couple seasons Madagascar, Mozambique, Seychelles, and we've been here for about six years now. Mm, and right. then little stints in between in Africa for tiger fishing and things like that. Oh well, wow! Pretty, pretty rounded, that's for sure. So yeah, a lot of lot of fresh water. Yeah, B pun. All on this side of the the, the ocean. Though. I've uh, I haven't guided. I've fished Australia, but but never guided there. Um, but yeah, oh, all wow. the Indian Ocean. Mainly. Right, ne- never on the west coast of Africa. Uh, no, not the west coast. No, not yet. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Brandon. Um, I I guess we hadn't really spoke about talking about this but it seems a little bit organic you're in a unique position to to compare a lot of those indian ocean fisheries um um i I don't know many people who've who've fished i don't know of many people i should say who have fished all of those areas um so um so in mozambique is there there's a there's a series of small islands off there too isn't there was it uh, basses to india is that one of them or if i said that right yeah uh, yeah, that's that's quite far off. That's an atoll, uh, quite a way away. You, that's that's quite a mission to fish. You need to go on a liverboard, and it's it's about a 24, 48-hour sail to get out there. Yeah. So I didn't fish that, but there's other islands and archipelagos uh, right along the coastline. That's I fished mainly in the Bazaruta archipelago. Uh-huh. Um, uh, that's it's it's mainly blue water fishing and some estuary fishing for uh, we call them river snapper. Uh, uh, you guys call them. Uh, well, I'm not sure what you guys call them. It's like like a snapper. Mangrove up jack. The, mangrove jack, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of that, and then a lot of blue water stuff. Uh, uh, there's not much flats fishing or or any sort of fishing like that in Mozambique. Um, but uh, really good fishing, uh, not, like diverse fishing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Did you ever go out to um, St. Brandon's out that way? Uh, 
No, I didn't. Um, no, that uh, I was in the Seychelles when they were. So I was working for a different company, and then from then on, I came into here. So never got a chance to go out and guide. They all fish there yet, but that looks amazing out there. Yeah, mm. yeah, it looks um, that looks way, way, way out, doesn't it? It's beyond yeah. the the Amaranth, or isn't it? It's it's a different. Yeah, group that's probably most remote, the most remote fishery there is at the moment. I would think. Yeah. Right. Right. Have you? Um, I know it's totally pie in the sky, but you've you've heard about um, the uh, American military base smack bang in the middle of the Indian? Is it uh, Diego uh, Garcia or something? Diego right? Garcia. I have, and I've messaged military guys on there because uh, there's a couple guys fly fishing on there, and right. I'm uh, <laughs> proud to angle myself uh, to get a trip there. And they they say I need to be a part of the U.S. military, so that's not going to happen. What's the fishing <laughs> like? <laughs> It's good. I mean, uh, the, he used to write a blog. I forgot his name, but I, I've been in contact uh, a bit because I, I was trying to trying to get out there. Um, but they got plenty bones, triggers, uh, GTs, permits, uh, similar to the Seychelles Islands, except not fished at all. There's only a handful of guys that are allowed to fish there. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Could I imagine? I mean, like so, some of those uh, Seychelles Islands and stuff, are, I mean, epic. I mean, far out. They're in... They're in they're ingrained in many uh, many a fly fishers fantasy, that's for sure. But um, to think of that there's somewhere that could be better uh, because it's so untouched is is mind boggling, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, trying to find a way onto there. That's that's the uh, that's the plan. But I don't know if we get us uh, non-military won't be allowed there. <laughs> you, you said earlier that um, you know you met you met your wife while you're um, working in the Seychelles, and um, did you guys? I mean, I might be prying in this respect, but I'm leading towards your business. But uh, did you guys decide to move to Oman first and then start a business, or did you move? Did you spy Oman for business? Because I know you mentioned uh, that you already scoped out the fishing, but um, but did you scope the fishing for, out for, for, for business? Uh, yeah, to, to start to it, it was sort of to start a company. We didn't know quite know where. We just wanted to do something together and have our own operation. Yep. Um, the, the the plan was there. Yeah. Okay. So what was that like? Um. Moving to Oman with the, uh, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say so much pressure of, of intending to start a business, but but keeping that in mind, what what was that move like? Um, well, f first, you need to see if if the fishing is viable. Um, yeah. The the nice thing about Oman, it, when we were thinking about it, is that it's pretty easy to get to. It's I mean, it's an hour and a half flight from Dubai, so it's we're kind of central to the world. It, it, everyone can get here quite easily. We're not remote or anything. Um, international flights straight into where we fish as well. The main thing was trying to find an area in Amman that was good enough to be a world-class fishery. Um, I, I mean, exploring is tough as well because you have days where you don't see a fish and you, you sort of can it and you're like, oh, well, it's no good yet. But then you fish the same place the next day and there's a heap of fish. So it, it's quite frustrating, but uh, yeah, we, we, we made it happen and then found some insane stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, how how many did you did you spend a couple of seasons there before before you decided? Were you both guys? You guys both decided to say, let's bring people in. Yeah. So, so we did an, an initial exploratory and uh, caught a few permits. Saw some, but this was the Indo Pacific permit. That that was the main draw card to Oman because um, yep. uh, there was quite a few. There's a couple of guys that live uh, further north that. Um, uh, we're catching Indo-Pacific permit regularly. There's a guy called Ray Montoya who, who sort of found area where they um, 
where this great Indo-Pacific permit fishing, he kind of gave the fly fishing uh, Oman a name for, for those fish. Um, so we, we came on that, and then after that, we just found more and more different species to target. Then we found the Afrikaners as well, which now which is now our, our main draw card. Yeah, yeah. We definitely want to get into that a bit bit later on, that's for sure, because, um, you know, there'll be a lot of people listening to the show very interested in that as well. The, um, the Indo-Pacific that you're talking about is the block eye, right? Yes, yeah. So, same as what, that you guys have, uh, same as the Seychelles. They're, they're, they're all over the Indian Ocean. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the Pacific. You, you got them on the East Coast as well. Yeah. Yep. Certainly do, for sure. Um, mate, I'm interested a little bit about the... Um, the fishing community in Oman, as far as recreational fishing is concerned, the um, is it is it a a big uh, local industry like is it uh, recreational fly fishing or even recreational fishing? Uh, fly fishing, there's there's hardly anybody that fly fishes. There's there's a couple guys up in Muscat, which is the capital. That's that's quite uh, far in the north. Um, there's a couple of guys that fly fish. They mainly uh, go for the, the permit. They drive down the coast to about central Lamont. So that guy called Ray Montoya, he's got a couple of mates that also. But I'd say there's, there's less than five fly fishermen in Lamont. That's including us. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. So, yeah. What, about the other, what about the heathens, mate? Are they, um, are they the guys fishing lures and, and bait? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah there's a lot more of that. Um, it's that's a, a lot broader market as well. Uh, it's easier to get into. It's not so not so niche. You don't need to learn or anything. So there's a, there's a, a much bigger community in that respect, um, and also a lot more operators than that, uh, like the popping, uh, jigging, spinning, that sort of thing. There's more operators, and a lot of local guys will also get into it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And um, are they, is it sports fishing or are they are they just uh, are they hunting meat mainly? Uh, a bit of both, actually. More, more I mean, the, the local fishermen, um, mm -hmm. that's mainly uh, hunting meat. So they'll go out and in there they've got pangas and there's quite, quite a lot of these blue pangas that go out and they're just mm -hmm. uh, getting, getting for the fish markets, uh, hand lines and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. There's heaps of that around here because uh, Amman, that was their, uh, before modernization, that was their main source of income, uh, food, that sort of thing was fishing because it's such a rich ocean here. Mm. And and looking at it from uh, Google Earth, I mean, I, I don't see a lot of agriculture. And I, it certainly looks like a dry and desolate place, so probably not productive, um, you know, uh, for, for cropping or animal raising either, right? No, no, exactly. So, so the ocean was the ocean is their life. Um, uh -huh. I mean, it's most of the inland is all desert. Everything is pretty much along the coast. Um, yeah. All the towns and things. What's What's not clear to me uh, through through looking at at uh, Amman and, and its waters through Google Earth, is um, uh, what's what's the bottom structure there, and 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 how does the um, is that, how does that relate to fish? Like, is it reefy or is it sandbanky? I know you get good reefs in the in the Red Sea, for example. So it's 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 a bit of a a weird ocean. Um, it's not really a coral coral ocean. Um, we get a monsoon here from uh, July to September, so that brings quite a bit of cold water, and um, <laughs> so there's not a lot of coral life down there. Um, it's the seabed is mainly just rock formations, a lot of sand, um, some bits of coral, um, 
but I think because of that cold water surge that comes up, it's, it's more of a temperate ocean. So, so we have quite a, a mixed bag of fish. I mean, so we, we'll have both species of permature. I catch bluefish here, um, GTs as well. So there's a bit of cold water species and the warm water species here. And then there's a lot of species that you would expect to be here, but they're not. They will be further down in the more tropical ocean. So things like boho snapper and the the coral groupers and things we don't find here um, because mm. I think the water it just doesn't. The habitat's not there for them. Yeah, yeah. Where um where Chris and I live on the east coast of Australia, we've um we've got we don't have we don't have blockies down as far as we live. We're we're close to Brisbane. Um, it's probably, if you're looking at a map of Australia, it'd be probably halfway down the, the East coast, but we do, we do get, um, we do get bluefish, what we call them Taylor and they overlap with the, um, the other species of, of permit we have here, um, Trachinotus, uh, Anak and, um, okay. yeah, so that, that their overlap is pretty much, um, oh God, from Stradbroke Island. So near, just off Brisbane up to Fraser Island, which might be maybe two or 300 kilometers uh further north um and on the west coast the the bluefish they go up as far as um shark bay which is sort of like the tropic of capricorn um yeah and it might go up a little bit further on occasion and i'm sure someone from western australia will pull me up on this or correct me i should say um but yeah it's uh you know that that's their their um say commonly seen northernmost point um over there so uh and but i don't think they get permit down to shark bay i think they sort of stop around Exmouth or or coral bay i think i could be wrong once again not very ignorant of that area willing to be corrected but yeah it's it's, it's what the point i'm trying to make is it's it's an unusual overlap you've got over there of species yeah yeah um it's a, it's quite similar to your guys overlap except we get we get the the Indo-Pacific come down down here as well, and, and the GTs as well. So no, it's it's quite a quite a weird overlap of, but I think it's because of the cold water and the monsoon that that holds some of these fish here. Yeah, and it should be mentioned for for um, I mean you, you'd be familiar with this, but we we can't assume all our listeners. Uh, you guys have probably some of the biggest GTs in the world in uh, in Amani waters, right? Yeah, I mean uh, up uh, but north where I am, probably about. I think 200 kilometers, 300 kilometers. There's a, a chain of islands called the Halaniet Islands, and that's <laughs> world-renowned for, for those big GTs. I mean, 50, 60, 70, I think, I think they've even got them in, in 80 kilo class now. Um, so, yeah, no, it is well-known for the biggest GTs in the world. That's incredible. 80 kilos. I mean, anything <laughs> bigger than 35 or 40 kilos is a, is, you know, is a genuine giant here in in uh, or considered a giant in east coast australia um I, I know well where we where chris and i live is pretty much once again close to the southern limit of of them that you know there's been a there's been a couple 60s you know seen or, or spoken about um i'm not that well connected with it but yeah they're um it just seems to be at the 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 temperate extremities of their um their range they generally get a little bit bigger like up in japan too um yes yeah, sir yeah, uh, I don't know if it's because of the the, the food source because coral has a great food source. Like we get get the uh, sardines here when the cold water comes in from the monsoon. They come in from the deep, and we'll have sardines thick all the way up up and down the coast. And I, I think that just that might help all these fish get so big. That'd do it. That's for sure. Good food source yeah. for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Hey, mate. Uh, 
um, that, that's that's pretty amazing information as far as the, the variety of species that are there. Um, I wanted to talk about um, a little bit about the travel aspect to the area and and and, uh, and those bits and pieces. So, um, what's it? Uh, what's it, it? So you say you kind of already answered this earlier on in regards to um, the international flights being so close. Uh, is it, is it a pretty easy pretty easy um, uh, place to approach from for international guests? Is it? Uh, definitely. Are. I mean, compa comparing to to some of the other fisheries where where it's quite a mission to get to. I mean, here if you can fly into Dubai or uh, Qatar, which are two major uh, airport hubs, you can get a flight from either of those, and an hour and a half to two hours, you in Salala, and then the airport's twenty minutes away from where I dock the boat. So it's pretty easy to get to. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's um. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's pretty interesting. I think um, there'd be. There potentially will be people. I mean, you could obviously research this, but I'm sure. I know if I was listening to this episode, there'd be some things that I'd want to know about it. And I'm just going to um, float this out there because um, of my lack of knowledge of the area. But you know, the area, the, the general area of that part of the world, seems to have a lot of conflict in it. You know, is it is it is it a is it a safe like is is there parts of it that are safe to travel like like where you are? I mean, obviously. Dubai gets a lot of traffic, international traffic, and things like that. And you'll have to forgive my ignorance, but I feel as though it's a um, it's a fair enough question. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean we we are surrounded by quite a few countries in conflict at the moment, and it's not. If you look at the news, it doesn't look like the safest region. Um, but uh, Oman is, I mean, I've never been to a safer country, more friendly country, and I, I've travelled quite a bit. Um, the people are, are awesome, super friendly, and it's extremely safe yeah. um, they are Oman is kind of like the Switzerland of the Middle East they don't get involved in anyone else's politics in the Middle East um, they stay neutral to all the other Gulf countries so if the other gun other Gulf countries are, are in a war like, like Yemen uh, you got Saudi and the UAE um, mm. uh, it, going into Yemen now uh, Oman completely stays neutral and, and pulls out of that and and doesn't get involved, which which uh, it's a great thing. It keeps the country safe. Um, yeah, I, I have no problem living out with with my wife and kids. It's it's amazing. Mm, okay, well, can I ask a, a potentially culturally insensitive question? Once again, it comes from a, a good place, safe safe here in Australia. But um, you know, I was doing a little bit of research and understand it uh, is an Islamic country. Um, how how compatible is that with sort of um, um, you know, Western sort of habits like, you know, drinking and, um, um, and, you know, eating what varieties of food and even how, how, um, how our ladies present themselves in public. Um, so Oman is, is quite relaxed. It is, it is a Muslim country. So you, you yeah. do abide by, by certain things you, you have to, you, you got to respect the country you're in. Um, of course, but they are very open to to everybody. I mean, there's so many different nationalities here. You can get um, there's alcohol. You can get it. There's bars and things here. It, it's rather expensive. It's uh, there's a huge tax on it. Obviously, it's the Middle East. Yeah. Um, but no, you can you can drink um, uh, depending on where you are. So if I was in the middle of nowhere in sort of a, a more local area, I would um, uh, women would be a bit more covered up. So. Uh, and it just shows respect as well. You want to cover your shoulders and, and your knees, but 
Um, we've never had a problem here. Um, they, they are very open to to other people. They're very friendly, and it's it's they're just an amazing amazing group of people. Sure, sure. Is it a is it a wealthy like an oil country or? It is an oil country, but not nearly as wealthy as the rest of the Gulf, like Saudi or Qatar or UAE. Um, mm -hmm. They've got a much bigger population than the UAE and things, and they also don't have as much uh, oil and gas. So they rely on, on other things. So tourism is there, is apart from oil and gas, tourism is their next uh, major thing that they, they try and promote to try and uh, uh, get money into the country. So, I mean, it's huge in tourism here. There's hotels, beautiful hotels everywhere. Um, and yeah, they're just accepting of everyone. So it's quite, they're happy for people to come in and, and enjoy themselves. What's the food like? Uh, food's good. Um, a lot of uh, fish, uh, a lot of curries. Um, I mean, you, you can get pretty much everything here as well. It's quite a, you get different cultures here as well. So you got you got a different, loads of different nationalities. Um, so you get great Indian food here. Um, it's, you know, a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. it sounds yeah, like right. a pretty um i mean it's like we're we're talking about the fishing on the podcast but it sounds like a um pretty culturally diverse area and a very um interesting area to go as well i mean it must be an old a really old area too right like a lot of culture a lot of like old culture there i should say yeah yeah uh, especially this this side of the middle east i mean they were um, they're obviously on the coastline, so they were the, like huge traders back in the day, trading between China, uh, India, and the, the African continent. So there's 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 a huge cultural mix of everyone because of the trading route uh, back in the day. So I think mm -hmm. that's why they're also a lot more open and friendly compared to I would say the other Gulf because they've been exposed to so many other cultures for so long because of that trading. Yeah, okay. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, it's um, well socialized, I guess you're saying, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's um, so, okay. So, where you are, is that, um, I don't know if we've answered this one, but like, it's a, you know, like, is there a sort of place that you could uh, bring, like, bring your family, then then book a guy with you guys? Yeah. So, where we're we based, uh, we, we're in a, a town called Salala. So, it's, the second biggest, third biggest town in Amman. It's right down on the southern Amman coast. Um, <laughs> where, where we base ourselves is a, a big marina with three hotels, lots of beaches, swimming pools. I have more, more, more clients than not will bring their family or their wife at least. And then I'll go out fishing and, and the wives can hang around, go to the spa, go to the pools, go do cultural tours in the town or, or up into the mountains, that sort of thing. So it's a great place to get a whole experience not just the fishing so i mean it's great to bring the family yeah okay i've just got it up on on google maps now check it out like there's um it's massive yeah it's it's uh yeah it's, it's huge that's for sure it's a lot of industry yeah. there too by the looks of it yeah further down south by the port there's quite a bit of industry there yeah wow wow so well, um yeah sorry yeah, boss, um, you go, mate. yeah i was sort of is is can we sort of uh, sharpen it into the fishing now? I'm, I'm Just sorry. about to say the same thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sold on this already, mate. So <laughs> yeah. let's 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 get to the good bits too, you know. Um, <laughs> so so Brandon, what's uh, what outfit are you running there, mate? Are you are you, are you operating out of, out of boats primarily? Yeah. So uh, the the way we run, I, I have a, a fly boat, which is 
uh, kind of like a bay boat, and then I have a blue water boat that, that does the offshore marlin fishing sort of thing. But our main our main thing is uh, fly. Um, we're quite lucky. Uh, we it's a very diverse fishery. So in a day, I can fish for Africanus in the Pacific permit and go offshore and catch mahi, salies, uh, all, all the pelagic sort of species. Everything's quite quite close, and I can target the whole the whole sort of spectrum of fish in the same day, which is great. Um, mm-hmm. The yeah. the Africanus, which uh, it's it's a lot similar to your guys' anak. Um, from what I hear, I haven't fished for a knack, but from from what I hear, is, uh, they they come up and feed on these mussel beds where, where I find them. So I fish for them off off a boat. Um, I, I'll cruise along the edge of these cliffs, and then uh, these mussel beds grow off the cliffs, and uh, the fish will come up and tail aggressively on those cliffs. I mean, not like a permit tail. These these guys tail kind of like a golden on the flats. You know how it's, it tails quite hard when it's digging deep. Just you waving at you. Yeah, you can throw. It's throwing water. It's tailing so hard. So that's right. how these Africans feed. They'll go up onto these rocks in, in groups. I mean, between five and I've seen groups of fifty tailing, all, all in a little group on these mussel beds. So I'll cruise them, stop, and then we'll. Uh, uh, what's nice about these fish? Once you find them, they they don't move. So you don't need to be ready and oh, quickly take your shot type of thing. You can take your time, place the boat, and then they'll stay feeding in that same area until. You hook them or spook them, type of thing. Wow, they're pretty focused animals by the sounds of it. Yeah, they are, they are extremely focused. I mean, when their heads are down, that they, they are uh, just so trying to get these muscles off these rocks um, that uh, they, if if all of their heads are down, they're not so spooky because um, because they are so focused. So you can usually get. I mean, we hitting these fish on the head with the fly. That's that's the way you got to get them. You're not leading them or anything because they're not moving. Mm. You want to put the fly in amongst them. Um, so yeah, they they're pretty focused, and when they are like that, it's, uh, it makes it a bit easier on the fishing. They don't spook too bad. I'm I'm looking at the videos now on your Instagram page, um, and it is uh, I, I can feel the excitement just watching these things, you know, tail furiously um, on these mussel beds in the shallow shallow water. There's nothing um, delicate or half-hearted about it. They they're really hooking in, eh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I mean, uh, you got it. You, when you see it, it's it's unbelievable. It's um. Uh, it's also not one of those fish that you got to look really carefully to try and find on the on the flats. You can see them from 100 meters away, splashing, and then and you know they're there type of thing. Right, it's pretty interesting. I, I can see the parallels. I mean, I, I've, I mean, I, I very rarely put myself in front of any permit, but like, um, I, I know that the annex will get on those muscle beds, particularly over in WA. I'll say, like over where they mm. did heads and tails, they were all on muscle beds over there. Um, but do you not get the Africanus that will um? you cruise the flats in in pairs or, or groups of three or singles that you'll you'll lead and pick off as well or so we we don't it's not really a flats fishery here so okay. we're fishing a an, an open coastline um mm. so the water is um, between a meter and, and three meters deep but those most of these fish are coming up onto the rocks to feed we do find them on the beaches like behind the beaches behind the swell on the beaches um they can be Re- really tricky. We, we've got a few like that, but they um, they they down quite deep, so presenting a fly sim is quite quite hard, and they're mooning uh, on the bottom. I think they're picking up clams or something on the bottom there. Um, but it's a lot trickier because they are so deep um, to present the fly sim and keep the fly in the zone. Where if they're feeding on these muscle beds, it's a lot easier. They are they're concentrating. 
there's grouped up right together and uh, you can target them a lot easier. Mm. They're not well, even, moving. Sorry? They're not moving. It's yeah, a target okay. that you, you can get to. Where the ones we do see on the beaches, it's a moving group of fish uh, flashing on the bottom. Uh, it's just a lot, a lot more technical and a lot trickier to get. Brandon, um, do you find the uh, the larger the pack, the more likely you are to get an eat? Or it, it can depend. I, I don't like too big of a uh, a group. If if you've got a big group and they are all feeding, then great. But the, the big groups usually they're not all feeding. You'll get twenty of them tailing, and you'll get twenty of them just sitting off the rock, just waiting for their turn. And those guys. I mean, their heads are up, they're looking around. Once you put a line over them, the whole school's gone. So the best ones I prefer is like a small group, like five, ten fish, and they're all tailing and they're all eating. Then then there's no eyes. They All their eyes are down, and they're not interested in anything else. So the big groups can be tricky. How do you approach that? Are you doing like a, a drag and drop thing? Are you, are you casting sort of near them and dragging the fly and then dropping it after, it, after you dragged it along, or do they peel off? So it doesn't seem like the type of fish that would peel off from what no, it's doing. They, they don't, the, the odd one peels off, but you don't really get too many eats on the fish that aren't feeding. So the fish that are floating around, they, they very rarely do we get them to eat. It's not like your, your typical permit where, oh, they'll follow it. Um, the ones that we get in and eat are the actual tailing fish. So you, you're putting your fly right in the middle of those tails or, or a little bit over them so that when it sinks, it's right in amongst those fish that are feeding, and that's the ones that we're getting. Because when you say they're tailing, I mean, like these these fish aren't you know two meters long. I mean, they're they're permit, so I mean it's pretty skinny water. Like it's it's yeah, it's just sounds really. They must be furiously feeding to be able to put that fly like right in in that mosh pit and then have them find that. That must be just <laughs> heart and throat stuff. Cool, really yeah. cool, eh? The other thing that that does help us here because it's not a flat, so we're kind of on an open ocean. We have a, a bit of swell that moves up and down on the rocks. Yep. So sometimes in the videos you can see some white water and some waves. So that 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 helps a lot because there's a lot more noise on the rocks. So you can drop your fly. There's a bit of white water. They don't spook so much. So when you have a couple, uh, like small swell, um, that's great. They're, they're not as spooking. But when it's super flat and there's no swell, then it's difficult because they hear anything that drops, especially when you have to put it in them. Yeah, okay. Man, that sounds, that sounds a lot like... Um like uh there's an australian fly fishing film called heads heads or tails um uh, is the, have you heard of it by any chance or i haven't no i'll look right. into it yeah if you get a chance to look at it it's uh such a such a proud aussie ex export for us i i really like the um the fact that um it, re it represents australian fly fishing that film but aside from that um the fishing the way the permit are, are acting in that video is so incredibly similar to what you're saying right there. It's it's um, it's crazy. I can I can um yeah I can definitely imagine it. But uh, I believe that um that those, what's I, I don't think it, I mean we had the, we had the guys in the sh on the uh, on the show in that. And I'm not sure if they even sort of define the fish as annex or block eyes. I thought they were blockies. Those um those fish in that bit. Is that right, Volts or? No, I think they're all annex. Eh? But they remember Jeff said that he couldn't um he, he said he thought they were a hybrid. Or something like they could they found it hard to tell yeah yeah it does ring a bell but i don't know i, I would have called them all annex but you know i, yeah. I wasn't trying holding them so yeah, yeah i would have said the same thing just yeah but even looking at them but they're just they're just such platinum looking fish you know yeah anyway 
that's another show. But anyway, if you can get hold of it, Brandon, it's um, it's a, it's a definitely a good video. It'd be pretty hard to get hold of these days, I'd imagine. But uh, <clears throat> I believe they still sell it in the states. We can't even buy it in Australia anymore. Uh, yeah. I'll try. I'll try to get it, dig it out, and see see if I can buy it. So, so the the Africanus are a lot more likely a neck. Um, it's it's not as a not rounded fish like the like the Indo-Pacific. It's it's a longer fish, a lot mm -hmm. thicker, a lot wider. So it's got some shoulders on it. Um, it's very similar to the anak. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, I can see. Um, looking at the photos now, as you know, maybe not the pronounced nose of the of the anak, you know, but otherwise very, very similar. Fairly, um, um, these things look like they might even be a little bit faster. You know, they're a little bit more elongated, or less depth for their length. Um, but geez, they've got that powerful tail, haven't they? Mm. Yeah. yeah, and, and these fish are super strong. I mean. Where, where they're feeding, they're yep. constantly moving with the swell and trying to stay on that rock to, um, to pull those muscles off. So they yep. are, they're an active fish. They're a strong fish. Um, so I yeah, know it's, it's uh, when you hook them, you've got to kind of wrestle them away from there because it's, it's a bit, bit of nasty territory to have your line uh, running around there. Um, yeah. And often when you land these fish, um, they, their whole bodies, they've got scratches all over them. Some of them, their gill plates are, are half missing yeah. and their lips. Their lips are like bright red and a bit rugged because where they are feeding. I mean, they're washing up and down those rocks and just getting scratched. And it's a super robust fish. It's funny you should mention that that a lot of the um, a lot of the Australian Australian fish exhibit this um, the anax when when they're landed. You can see their their gill plates are, are tatty, uh, like they've been you know uh, ragged. Um, and quite often, I know the the first anax I um, I hooked and landed it. It went crazy when I hooked it. It it sort of bumped, swam along its side um, underneath the water, like it was trying to rub the fly out of its mouth. Um, and it was it was bizarre. And when we got it in, it had it had big scrapes down down one side. Um, it was it's funny, hey. I, and I've I've spoken to other people that experienced guides, and and they said, yeah, it's not a not an uncommon feature uh, for them to exhibit. So I wonder if that if the Africans are, do, are doing that as well. Yeah, I mean, we've had them rubbing on the sand when you when you're hooking them off the sand. There, I've I've had Indos do that on the beach as well. They're, I think it's a permit thing that they, they try to rub a, rub their face in the sand to get that fly out. Yeah, only got left a field here, man. What what's with that picture of those permit jumping? So uh, another thing, yeah, these permit. So they don't jump when you hook them, but when you spook them, they jump like six eight feet out the air. Uh, yeah. and the whole school will jump. <laughs> these <laughs> things are crazy. <laughs> um, I, I've had them, I mean, multiple times a season, I'll have them jumping into the boat. Are you fishing to, like close them and at them and they spook? They do, they want to swim out to the deep and you're in the way. And so I've had half of them uh, jumping in the boat. I've almost been hit by them. Um, you don't want to be hit by these. I mean, the average fish is between 15 and 30 pounds. So that's a solid fish to come flying in the air. <laughs> 30 pound permit. I'm just looking at your, your, um, your video now. There's, um, from the 25th of September, some really close-up angles of some um, permit in some really shallow water, and they're feeding pretty hard, eh? Um, I'd probably, uh, I don't know how to tell people exactly where, you know, how to find it, but it's it's really good footage, 25th of September. Um, on your page, is they're just tailing on a shallow oh, rock. Yeah. 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 yeah, so that, I mean, they feed. You can see them almost, I mean, their bodies are rubbing on those rocks. The waves are pushing them around. But yeah, I mean that—that's a typical habitat that they're feeding in. It's—it's it's, uh, 
that's why there's such a hardy fish, I think. And and yeah. it's it's you you hook a lot more than you land as well because you hook him in there, you still got to pull him out of there, and uh, there's a lot more rocks below that as well. So um, uh-huh. yeah, we we give them some some heat when you hook them. I, I usually try pull the boat out and then uh, uh, just try and try and hold on and and pull him out. It's a, a proper tug of war. Once he's out, he's fine. Then you'll swim in the deep and mess around a bit. But it's that first sort of ten seconds you hook up, you need to get him out of there. Right. What's the retrieve like, mate? What are you, what uh, are you comfortable talking about the presentation? Yeah, I mean, uh, you want your fly in there. Um, the retrieve is just to keep your line tight. Uh, once your fly is out of that feeding zone, uh, you might as well bring it in and recast. Um, the longer your fly stays in where those fish are, are tailing, the, the, the better chance you're going to get a bite. So it's just a strip to, to keep that line tight so you can feel a bite. You're not stripping to move the fly. I'm looking at they couldn't they couldn't be seeing too much in there like the water's turbulent there's a lot of turbidity to go you know the stirred up sand and that like it's do you feel like they're they've got the opportunity to be um, you know picky or not? Um, uh, that that video that you're looking at that is quite uh, quite uh, sandy and stuff it's not always like that it, they right. can be it is a hot fish to catch I mean I've had I've had shots at, at fishing crystal clear water tailing and you have like 30 shots in like you don't believe anymore oh, these things don't eat anymore type of thing they, they can be super frustrating and and picky as well um uh, just like any of these these permit things uh, one minute you think you figured it out the next they're like oh these things don't need to fly anymore mm. <laughs> hey that that footage that you guys are talking about there i just found it is that is that film from the land looks like i can see a bit of the the like rocks and they're, they're like you could be standing on is that is that how close yeah, you can get so, to them yeah yeah so if you stay low and uh, uh, so i'll if i have a day off or, or whatever um i might go and film them and i'll just walk uh, the cliffs that that we do fish for them from the boat though i'll go and walk them from the land and you can get pretty close to them if if you stay behind the the cliff faces and the rocks and stuff you can you can get and also a, a good zoom you can get in pretty close yeah okay because um, fishing off the rocks is, uh, I mean, we've tried fishing off the rocks, just line management and things on, on muscle-covered rocks doesn't work. And once you hook them, you'd rather pull them away from the rocks and pull them towards the rocks. So we don't land too many trying to fish from the shore. That's why we do it all boat-based, and then we fish towards the shore. Oh, mate, fishing, wouldn't it be good if we could do it how we wanted to for the fish we want to catch? Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. So while skimming through those um, those photos to find that one that you guys are talking about on the on the twenty fifth, there, there's some great footage. I mean, obviously I stumbled across that jumping one that we spoke about earlier. But um, old mate up to his neck, just uh, wading through to get get a shot. Like that's that's a fair bit um, later on. But you got a you got a photo there where you've got I don't know if you've ta- you've tagged the guy at at strip struck. I don't know who he is, but um. um so you must be in a boat or something like that, and and there must be like a like a, a rock shelf coming up, like must be a, a really steep step up for where these permits are sitting on. Um, they must have like deep deep water nearby. Like I mean, you to pull them off that that bit of reef, um, you know that short tug of war. The deep water must be nearby there, right? Is that they're just like outcrops that they're sort of feeding on, right? Is that accurate? Yeah. So you can, uh, I, I'm I'm looking at the same picture. So you can see the cliff face behind, and yep. then those those sort of uh, shallow beds that come off the cliff. Yep. So, yeah, so once that fish is away from those rocks, it's it's usually all sand, but there's little bommies around there, and they will swim back into there 
um, to try and rub the fly off or to go, if, if you hook a fish and the rest of the shoal stays there, he's going to go back to that shoal. Um, so uh, you, you want to get him away from there. Once you're away from there, then, then you're pretty good. Unless it's a big fish and he will run straight back into there, even if you're 50 meters away type of thing. Um, yeah. But that photo that you're talking about, actually, that um, I was fishing off a boat, but there was a tiny sandbar just before that area. And I couldn't get over it because a bit of swell. So the, there was a small wave that would pick up and break on it. So that area, I sometimes get the guys to hop out and, and you can stand on the sandbar just before it and then uh, cast to to the tailing fish. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Must be. <laughs> wow. It'd be... Um... It must be pretty hard for anyone to sit still when you're seeing those tails like that, that's for sure, just to get closer, a bit closer, a bit closer. Um, mate, I don't want to um, pry too much. I know you guys are going to have your proprietary systems as far as flies and stuff that concern, but can you tell us anything about the flies? Um, uh, they, they are, they're an opportunistic fish, so they, they'll eat anything, crabs, shrimps and everything. I, I've got a fly that I like and I'm quite successful on it. Uh, I'm not going to tell you guys. You guys are going to have to come and fish with me, and then I'll show you. Um, <laughs> if we have to, then all right. <laughs> they're all opportunistic, so they they mainly they're eating the the mussels, but crabs and things are uh, and all sorts of things live on the mussel beds, and and they will eat um, a, a good crab or something that comes by. All right. Well, don't worry about specifically what it is, but. Can I ask you what about this? Does this not give me too much away to ask about something that's, that's heavily anchored to the bottom? Um, or are you wanting something that's going to be pushed around by the wash? Uh, something quite heavy. Right. Because we have, because we have uh, that bit of the wash there on the cliffs, you want that fly to sink straight away and get into the zone as quick as possible. Also, you, your, your window of opportunity is not as long because of the waves. So you want that fly to sink, get in the zone, and hover there for as long as possible before a wave sort of takes it out or you've stripped it too far out trying to keep it tight. Um, so you don't you don't want anything light that's just going to wash away. You want it anchored to the bottom. The longer it stays in there and washes just slightly around the area, the, the better it is. So when you say hover there, you don't you don't mean like uh, suspend in the water, like take its time to get to the uh, bottom. The you mean just be in the area, but on the bottom? On the bottom, yeah. Their, their heads are down, they're feeding on the bottom. So you want that fly in the muscles that they're feeding on. Does it normally is it is um expecting an eat usually a quick process like as in like you you know like you'll let's say you've cast within half a meter of the fish that are, that are tailing in those areas does it take them long to find something are they are they pretty attuned because I guess I'm leading on to what Valti said earlier about the turbidity there you know it might not be sandy out on those outcrops there but there'd be a certain amount of um foam in the water or oxygenated water just bubbles and stuff like that going on. Um, does it take them long to find it in that sort of scenario as well? If 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 you're half a meter away from the fish, strip it in and recast. It has to oh. be on the tails. They right. they are they don't move around. They're only staying on that little patch of muscles. So they're only moving if the swell pulls them away. Otherwise, they are staying right where they are. So if it's a meter away, half a meter away, you got to bring that fly in and put it right on their tail. Wow! Right. Is hanging up, hanging that fly up a real issue? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we do we do go through quite a few flies. I put a, a pretty staunch weed guard on it. Um, yeah. But uh, if you're not hooking the bottom, then you're not fishing right because that, that fly has to be on the bottom. So I don't mind losing a few flies. Um, yeah, if you hook up, then I know you're in the right area. Hook up can on the they, ground. Put it. 
can they be that aggressive to um, to pluck a snag fly? Yeah, off? yeah, I've had that. I've had that before as well. Just okay, hold the cool. fly and wait, and then then a fish picks it off if it's in the zone though. If it's like right right where they're feeding. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And what um, what's your favourite format of fly line for that? Do you do you go for a full floater or do you like an intermediate tip? What's your favourite? Uh, I like. I like the the intermediate tips. Um, it's just a lot more stable in in swell. Um, it doesn't wash around. Floating line washes around a hell of a lot, and it picks your fly up off the bottom if there's a swell. If you have yeah. a, a bit of a, a sink tip, um, it's taking your fly down pretty fast, and then it's uh, it's not getting washed around. Uh, it's staying where it is. Which one are you using, mate? Which which line? Uh, the Cy Angler's uh, thirty foot uh, clear. Uh, forget the one? name. Sonar. So scientists big thirty foot. Sink thirty. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Um, that that's our best line. Uh, is also some. Uh, I like the long lines, uh, the thirty foot, because I also use that for the beaches, um, for the Indo Pacific. Um, but okay. some of the guys uh, prefer maybe a fifteen foot intermediate uh, sink tip line. Just depends how, how what you prefer. But yeah, I don't use floating at all. It just it washes around too much. Mm -hmm. Since since you're looking at um the uh your instagram as well while we're all referencing it and i hope people are playing along at home here 5th of november you got a picture of a dude there holding africanus on what i mean look, obviously it looks like the beach but it looks like some pretty nice uh, like a flats in front of a gutter there you know like um it looks like flats fishing is that an unusual um circumstance is that done on foot so, so the way we target our uh, the the block eye, the Indo-Pacific, is is on the beaches. So I don't target them on the boat. We we'll come back in, and I've got a, a few brilliant beaches close by, yeah, um, that we can uh, uh, drive to. Some of them I also I go to to by boat, um, but they these shorter, shallow, long beaches, and um, depending on the tide, if it's out, you get these big uh, gutters and channels, and the Indos will come uh, and swim in those gutters. Um, away from the waves and then picking up crabs and then every once in a while you if you're having a look at that picture you can see some rocky outcrops behind them yep um yep. that you'll find africanus uh, feeding on those rocks it happens very rarely um but but you we do stumble into the odd africanus feeding on the rocks while we're looking for the endos on the beach wow is is there a is there um i mean they're all permit but is there a tiered um level of excitement for between the block eyes and the and the Africanus, like is the Africanus the the jewel in the crown? Oh, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from a block eye yeah. either. You know, like yeah, but, no, um, it's two two different fish, and and the way we fish for them is two completely different scenarios. So, um, you you get a, a hell of a lot more shots at Africanus because you get big groups of tailing fish. Um, it's a lot more visual, um, but you you're fishing from a boat. The the Indos is here is very special because you you walking the beaches you barefoot walking a beach looking in these gutters, um, fishing for very very, I mean these fish come into such skinny water. I, I've fished Indos in, in a few places and I've never seen them come into such skinny water. They they'll come in with a little whitewater wave and swim on their sides to come pick up a crab at your feet type of thing. Mm. Um, and then swim back out on their sides because they can't swim up straight because it's yeah. so shallow. So that's a, wow. that's a special thing as well. So they kind of, uh, it's hard to, to say which one's more. I, I'd say the Afrikaners gets to you more because it's such a visual. These fish are aggressively tailing. 
but the 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 Indo is such a special thing coming in so shallow um, uh, and just uh, yeah feeding r right in the skinny stuff. I mean, it's, sometimes it's just above ankle deep, and there's a 15 pound fish there. That's wild. Eh? We were me and Valsi were only talking today. Um, I mean, we've been talking about your your podcast today, and we probably should have done more work than what we did on it, to be honest with you. But uh, we knew the subject was going to be of interest and not hard to talk about. But there was something that came off as a side topic, and and you mentioned his name earlier on the show here, and I know you follow him as well. That uh, Ray Montoya, uh, yeah, um, he put a video up when was it uh, one day ago, and I could not believe how shallow that that fish was that he ate. You know, have you seen that video? Yeah, yeah, so I actually saw it. It was a couple of days ago. Yeah, so that's that's how the the Indos are feeding us. So that's that's a pretty special thing to to see that. Um, uh, usually where where you would want to walk that's where our fish are feeding um so yeah. you've got to walk quite a way up on the dry sand and then you're fishing for fish that you would expect only to see crabs sitting there these fish are coming up that shallow yeah no it's it's an, it's amazing to see these fish so they're, they're like surfing up on their sides to to get in the what in the wash zone to pick off what's what's living in that right is that, what, is that what's going on yeah exactly and then when the wave comes out it gets a bit too skinny they just sort of float back out with the wave swim back along uh, like just behind and then they come back in with the next wave um it's, it's a very exciting way to fish that's that's, it. that's insane I, I think that's um that's 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 gotta be the skinniest i've ever ever seen them seen them get that's wild eh? but i mean again i'm not in front of it every day either so it's uh, it's pretty epic to see for someone like myself yeah, I mean, uh, I've, wherever I've fished for for permit, I've never seen them come come this skinny. It's uh, it is it's something special, but it also makes it a bit more tricky because um, trying to present a fly to a fish like that in the waves can be quite hard. Yeah, they're pretty uh, sensitive. Yeah, and they're also wary. They they can be sensitive when they're in super skinny, especially the big fish. They they can be a bit sensitive in that skinny stuff. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So what? What do you mean that they're um they can be a bit hard to present to because it the the fly gets lost in the wash? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Uh, so on on a flat, you don't have waves to deal with that are that are sucking your fly in and out, um, moving a fly line about. Um, so in that situation, you, you you kind of have to predict what the wave's going to do to your fly, because um, it's not going to stay where you want it to stay. Not like on a flat, you leave it there; it's going to stay there. This, the wave's just going to bring it to you. It's going to suck it out. So it, it makes it's another level of it's another challenge to it. Could mm. you could you cast a fly onto dry sand, predicting where the fish is going to come up? Is that how you could do it, or do people do it like that? No, no. These fish, I mean, they, they you you can't really predict. You can only predict with I would say within the next like couple seconds of where they're going to be because of the waves are constantly in and out. And the the fish is moving with the waves, so uh, you know you, you gotta you gotta put it quite close to him pretty quickly type of thing. You can't you can't lay it up a couple meters down the beach and expect him to come because he usually he's going to be sinking out because the waves are already sucked out and moving down the beach to come onto another section. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I kind of just imagine a fish following like at the back of a of a wave, a bit of whitewash or something like that, and and um and just following the the wave up into the wash zone. So I mean, it might have been. Heading, you know, what I mean, just behind, just at the back of the wave. Uh, I don't know, and yeah, yeah. No, but they're, um, they're so erratic, and he comes in when he wants to come in, and he, also he can't see. He, he only sees what he's going to feed for when he's in that skinny stuff. He's not at the back of the wave looking, coming in. Um, yeah, okay. he's coming in 
looking, feeding, feeding, going out again. So yeah, he, he won't see your fly if, if you if you're fishing that way. You got to yeah, you got to fish for him when he's in, and uh, when he's in that skinny stuff. Wow, whole new world. That's um that's pretty cool. That's for sure. Yeah, it's so tactical, isn't it? You know, yeah. It's a, something uh, that's unique to to style of fishing we do here. But you know, wow. You can, Compared to, you mean, right? Unique compared to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't yeah. get them like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure if you went looking for them, I'm thinking of a spot up near Bowen and, you know, there's a few spots that might that might fish like that a little bit, but just that wave action is, um, you know, fairly, uh, you know, we just don't get it that much, I guess. Uh, the the wave, wave action is good. Sorry, the, the wave action is good and bad. It, it, it makes it presenting harder. But uh, the waves also make the, the uh, you can put the, the fly pretty close to the fish and he doesn't spook because of the white water, a bit of sand mixing in there, um, a bit of mm. noise from the wave. Um, you, you can put the fly pretty close to him and they don't spook. Not like a flat where, I mean, it's flat calm, you drop a fly, it makes a noise and, you, and the fish is out of there type of thing. Yep, yep. Wow. And the size, up to 30 pounds. <laughs> The, the Africanus, yeah, they, they grow big. I mean, the Africanus, um, the biggest we've got is is over 35. Um, and then I know they've grown up to 50, 50 pounds. In South Africa, in an aquarium in Durban, they had two fish in there that they weighed. They were 25 kilo. So they get big. Wow. I saw in one of your photos, you've, you've been tagging them. You there? Yeah, yeah I'm here. Yes. Yeah, Vault, I think Vault has dropped out. Yeah, did I? All right. Yeah, I saw in one of your photos uh, that there's uh, there's a fish there with a tag in it. Um, have you yeah. have you found much information on them? We we haven't we we tagged the permit, but we haven't recaptured uh, uh, one yet. Um, the the Africanus there's there's a, a hell of a lot of Africanus here. Um, uh, it's probably the where where I fish is probably the most prolific fish there is here. Not just where they feed on the mussel beds, but on the back of the beaches, on the reefs. Um, so I think to try and recapture tag fishes, I mean, also we're the only ones doing it here. So um, there's not a hell of a lot of fish that are tagged. Um, but no, there, there's a lot of fish here. So maybe in time uh, we, we might get one. We'll see. Yeah. Wow. Well, that'll, uh, that'll be fulfilling when you do it. Um, yeah. Chris, is there any other permit questions you had? Um. Not really, not without being sarcastic and, and poor jokes, but um, because um, <laughs> yeah, I would love to ask of um, you know, when can you put me onto one? That's the one question I've got, but it's probably not really appropriate for the show. But uh, <laughs> no, look, mate, it's um, I guess um, you know, like the unique things about you know the the beach there, and I guess in comparison to probably the majority of our listeners being in Australia, is the um, the idea of walking the beach for these fish as well. You know, like it's um. There's plenty of people who have caught um, permit land base, but to, to do it as a way of targeting them, I reckon is, is very interesting. Um, is it this type of scenario where you would expect them to come to you? You just stand still, or you you you? I mean, I know you walk the beach, but do you use a car to go from you know gutter to gutter as part of your operation? No, so so I'll I'll just go drive the the car to the beach and then walk the beach from there. Um, they're not always in the gutters, so so you'll you'll find a long stretch of beach. There'll be some bays coming in, some gutters. 
And then uh, also they'll be behind the, the main section of, of waves. If it's really flat day, I mean, you, you can fish to the fish uh, behind the gutters that are moving from gutter to gutter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like to cover ground. Um, uh, I like to move and then, and then cover ground. And then if I find a, a really nice section that looks good and the tide's looking good, I might hang around for, for 10 minutes because you often get the fish coming into these gutters, feeding, then going out, moving on to the next one. Um, it's a bit of both, uh, moving moving along the edge or, or staking out. Do, the, do those indos, do they do they give themselves away by tailing or finning or anything like that, or you just got to be in the place to, to, to see them, like in the, in the water? Yeah, it depends on the conditions, depends where they are. So if, they, if they're not in the gutters, they, they might be just straight on a flat beach mm-hmm. uh, with a bit of wedge. You'll see them with their whole back out the water because they come in so skinny, so either their whole back's out or they're tailing on a, on a little sandbank that's out there. Um, in the gutters, uh, the gutters are slightly deeper, but there's usually no wave action in the gutters. Um, mm. There you'll see them floating right on the edge of the gutter, just trying to pick up crabs along the edge of the drop-off. Um, it's mm-hmm. a bit of a mixed bag. You've got to keep your eye open for, for absolutely everything. You're also looking at the back of the wave. When the wave picks up, you're looking into the wave to see cruising fish. Uh, there's a whole bunch of scenarios you've got to keep an eye out for. Yeah, I'm with you. You paint a good picture there. I, I get what you're saying for sure. <laughs> Brandon, what sort of crab species do you get over there? Uh, on the beaches, so for the Indos, we get um, the, the ghost crab, but we get a really big one here, so I don't think they target them too much. And then we get the, a lot of moon crab. Um, that's yeah. what I've been talking to Chris about quite a bit because you guys have those awesome moon crab patterns. So um, Yeah. Uh, with those, I, I've been doing really well with the moon crabs on the beaches here. Yeah, because when you're walking, especially on the low tide, you see loads of them uh, up and down the beach. Um, yeah. So that, that's the main thing I think they're coming in to feed on. And then there's also hermit crabs, snails and things that they'd also feed on. Mm. Mate, there's a lot of good permit fishers in Australia that are using those same flies too over here. Like it's, um, Do you prefer... I don't want you to give away anything the way you rig up the recipe with those components, but um, do you find the realistic patterns produce more with permit? Uh, since I've been using them, I, I think the, the permit are uh, a lot more aggressive on them. I mean, mm. uh, I, I think I messaged you one of the first times. Uh, I got six fish in a, in a session walking along the beach, six permit, and yeah. I, two, of those, two of those fish I pinned, and then the fly, like proper pin, you, you hook him, he shakes his head and then the fly pops out and then he came and ate the fly again. So they like that. <laughs> they, they like that realistic, uh, that realistic. The, uh, other flies, I've sort of, you, you hook him, you pin him, he comes off, he sort of <laughs> runs out to the deep. But uh, these ones, I've had a few come back and eat it. Wow, that's amazing. I've often wondered that. Though. I mean, those moon crabs in the wild, I mean, they are spiky little buggers, eh? Like you can yeah. barely pick them up. I've stood on them by accident before and you, you really know it. Those fish to yeah. eat those those animals, mate. A hook must not feel that foreign to them, you know. I, I, it's a similar thing. I mean, they they get pinched by like a uh, clip by a crab. Those the side spikes they'll get pinched. I think that's why they they came back and ate it because it it is so realistic. It gave them a bit of a spike. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, there you go. That's an interesting way to look but at it. They must be tasty as fuck, you know. Like those those crabs, they must love the taste of them to, to be worth all that effort to go and hunt them crush them you know risk getting bitten by them skinny water yeah, yeah. also yeah. That, to come up in that skinny water because that's that's not a place you really want to be being being a fish um, mm. true they must love the risky to come eat. up and 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Mm. Uh, look, I, I find the permit talk very fascinating, but that's not all you do either. You know, like you got a lot of a lot of blue water on your page too. Yeah. So what we are lucky here is, so we we've got all the inshore stuff. So we got the both both the the permit species and then some other in inshore type of things. But our offshore is not far at all. I mean, from from fishing Africanus against the cliffs, within five minutes I can be on a, a main drop off that's. Uh, 200 meters deep and I'm fishing for pelagics um, so we have uh, it's such a big uh, array of fish that we, that we can target within then the same day I mean we get heaps of mahi dorada here um, we get salies we get marlin um, yeah all, all the other sort of reef pelagic uh, it's a mixed bag yeah it's great I um, I looked at I've taken the liberty of, of, of having a per three website too um, uh, you get some big marlin, right? So you get striped. Is is that you? Get, do you get blacks as well? Blues? Yeah, we get uh, striped, blues, and blacks. So that, that's kind of a newer thing we we uh, we we're trying to get into. So first of all, we started fly fishing. We had the small bay boat. Um, we'd fish for permit. We'd go offshore, troll the drop off, try find a salie or some mahi or something. And mm. actually, the first boat fish we caught on fly. Um, it was a striped marlin. We, we were looking for a salient, a stripey came up and we, we landed him. Um, so after that, we were like, geez, okay, well, there's, there's marlin and the drop was pretty close, so there must be more. And uh, we'd do it a couple more times. We raised quite a few few more marlin, um, saw quite a few swimming on the surface. And so we decided to, to get more into the blue water stuff, see what's out there. So we, we got a bigger boat, uh, which meant we could venture further to like the thousand meter mark and things like that. And, and we found some amazing, amazing blue marlin fishing uh, in particular with, with the mix of stripe and black uh, in there as well. Um, and some good fish as well. I think biggest we've got so far is over 800 pounds. Um, we've seen a couple, uh, hooked a couple in 600 pound mark. Um, it's been it's been re- really good for for what we didn't know and no one really knew of here. It's been an eye opener. It's it's turning into. I mean, I've I've taken guys that are the marlin fished all over and they're happy to say it's 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 a world class marlin fishery in the making type of thing. I mean, we're raising good numbers of fish in a, in a day. Um, so, but we're still learning on that. I mean, uh, we still got it's new. We're still exploring more areas and but there's definitely huge amounts of potential there. Well, that's mouth watering. Um. Uh, and it looks like you get you get a run of big yellowfin too. Yeah, so um, from about February till the end of our season uh, in May, uh, we get big big uh, uh, yellowfin run through down the coast here. Um, mm-hmm. They hang around with the dolphins, so we we find big pods, huge pods of dolphins um, from a couple hundred to a thousand. Uh, these pods of dolphins moving along eating mackerel, eating squid, and the, the yellowfin are following them. Yep. And boats in front of the dolphin, front of the dolphin and the, the tuna will come up amongst the dolphin, uh, smashing the poppers. And I mean, they're, they're pretty good size. They're probably average between 20 to 80 kilos. <laughs> average 20 to 80 kilos. So the, the, 20 kilo the rats. Whole, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the holy grail for a lot of... Um, for a lot of uh, blue water f- fly fishermen, is a IGFA legal sort of uh, hundred pound um, yellowfin. So that sounds pretty doable there. Uh, that sounds like hard work to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of circles under yeah. the boat. 
yeah, exactly. Um, I, I kind of keep those to to the to the popping gear and stuff. I, 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 that sounds like hard work. Yeah, no, I'm not. I mean, I'm happy to take out to try try on the fly, but yeah, no, that's they're painful fish to pull them up fly rod, and you don't know if you're going to hook a 20 kilo or an 80 kilo fish. That's the problem. Especially, so, so, yeah. so as a guide, if someone wanted to say book, uh, you know, a yellowfin charter on fly there, what book what book would you bring to read? Do you think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can. I mean, even on even on hundred pound spin gear, I've had guys fight fish for three hours. So, wow. um, yeah, we get. I mean, the the local guys also. That's their main their main bread and butter is going out catching these big elephant on on hand lines with uh, live sardines, and they're getting fish over hundred kilos, hundred and twenty kilos. So they are the bigger fish here, and you, know, you hook into that with a fly rod, you, you're going to be there for a while. <laughs> I can only imagine how big a handline you'd need to carry that sort of amount of line. Like, it's yeah. how do they do that on a handline? They must chase it around the boat, right? Yeah. yeah so, I mean, I mean, the hat line works pretty well. They're using, I think, probably four hundred pound line. Mm. Um, but they also they do the same blast up ahead of the dolphins, throw a bunch of sardines out, and then throw a couple with their hand lines on hooks. Um, the the bigger the the lines are all attached to boy boys. So if it's a small fish, they'll just hand line it in quickly. A big fish, if it takes all the line, they just chuck the boy out and then follow the boy around. Gotcha. Fish is tired. Yep. They did that in Jaws too, I believe, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. That's um that'd be that'd be such a handful. That is crazy. That yeah. really is. I see you've got, um, you know, like species that, you know, similar to what we've got here, the pompano, what we call dart over here as well. And um, I see a lot of queenfish too, big queenfish too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very similar fishery to what you guys have there. I mean, the the the, the darts or our, our pompano, we call them amazing fish. I, I love them. So where we fish for the Indo-Pacifics on the beach, um, they'll be darting around in the back, like on the in the waves and things, and, and they get pretty good size here. Yeah? They give a yeah. hell of a good fight for for what they are. So I think they fight harder than the than the Indo-Pacific permit, to be honest. Um, yeah, it usually takes you good well into the backing, and and uh, it, it's a nice break on. So you're fishing for Indos, you're getting a few refusals. It's it's not the easiest fish to catch. You get one of them swimming by, put a rubbish cast in, he eats anyway, and then takes you to the backing. So it's a nice thing to to save the day uh, with those fish. Yeah, that's. That's wild. So they, they look a bit bigger than the ones we get over here, but the ones we get over here, like sometimes, you know, you'll get them in big numbers and sometimes they can be in plague. Do they, are they in big numbers there too? No, the, the, our fish are a bit bigger, so they're usually either solitary or maybe three together. Oh, okay. Uh, we, we, yeah. we get the both species. So so the main one is uh, the large pompapana, which is a bigger fish, got big yeah. spots. Those ones are the, uh, they'll be like one or two or three fish together cruising. Then you get the the little guys. They're probably only maybe just a bit bigger than your hand. So they've got the small dots. Mm -hmm. um, those those will shoal. I mean, those you'll find like twenty in a shoal. Not really on the beaches. Sort of where I fish for Africanus. They'll be like following the boat behind us and stuff. But the big ones on the beaches are, are solitary. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can definitely see the um, the buzz in that. I'm glad we brought that up in the conversation because I know that um, yeah, there might be people who who, who see that. And not recognise the difference between that 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 three or that big spot, I should say. That that's what you call it, right? The big spot, pompano. Yeah, large spot pompano. Yeah. I'm sorry. What did you say? La large spot pompano. Large spot pompano. Gotcha. Sorry. Um, yeah. Right. That's that's pretty amazing. Um, 
There was another. Oh, I wanted to ask you about the. Um, you don't get sea broom down your end of Oman. Uh, no. So, so the the sea broom that that uh, sort of quite famous for the for the light tackle guys in Oman don't come as far south as where I am. They uh, start around the Halanya. <coughs> sorry, the Halanya Islands, where the where the big GT uh, popping outfits are, and then they go up to about central Oman. They they hang around that area. I don't find them down down south here, um, but uh, I've caught a few on fly a bit further north of us on the beaches. Um, they're good fun. They're hard, strong fish. They love a fly, um, but yeah, we just don't get them down here for some reason. Have you seen the version we've got over here? Um, it's quite similar, isn't it? Very similar. It's a it's a pretty big industry and it's very accessible to a lot of people. So um, you know the the extra oversized ones we see from Oman, they're um, they're pretty fascinating for Australians, that's for sure. I think a lot of people listening to this would probably agree. Um, they look they they look identical, except they look like they've gone through gamma radiation, like the Hulk. You know, they um, yeah. <laughs> they're ma- they're massive. It, uh, um, how big do I know they're not in your area, but I'm just still interested in them. How, how big do they get those fish? Um, it's, I think a trophy's uh, uh, it's like a sixty centimeter fish is a is a trophy fish, yeah. So that's just, I mean, trophy fish isn't the big as they get, though, right? Like, I mean, that's a yeah. good fish. How big would they get? Oh, I'm not sure about that. I, see, I don't fish for them that often. They're not sure. in my area. But from from the other operators, like uh, the guys that are doing the the uh, the spin fishing and the GTs, um, I think they like a six to them. Classing sixty is that's like a that's that's trophy fish. But I'm sure they must get big. I mean, like all fish, they're always bigger than the trophy fish. You'll find somewhere, somewhere bigger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you have fished for them, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Some of the beaches a bit further up north when we were exploring. Yeah. Um, I've caught the beaches there. Um, but that's out of my range now. I don't really go up there. I'll stick to where I am down here now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know we're, uh, we're talking to you in regards to your business and, and things like that, but it's just uh, I can't help but ask just, like, just one more question in regards to them. Yeah. Do they go really hard or, or are they like um, – the sort of fish that you don't want hard on structure, they, they pull. You you, you got to you got to really give it to them when you when you you got to pull them out of the structure. Also, they're living in the structure, so um, you're fishing for them in the rocky the rocky areas. There's a couple beaches that they will cross from from one rocky area to the other. There you can get them and they can run and 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 uh, they won't cut you off. But mainly where you're fishing for them is up against the structure. And so, yeah, no, they, they, they pull you you got to give them some to get them out of there. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. tell you what, it's, um, it's, it's a very interesting fish for me because, like, it, the, the brim in Australia here is the sort of fish you, as a kid, it's the sort of place that you'd get introduced to fishing, at least with saltwater. It was, it was one of the fish that I got introduced to as a, as a really young kid. And they're always stuck around through your fishing career, even to, even to now, you know, you know yeah. like many, many years later. I don't know if it's the sort of fish that I would I would travel for over there, but I tell you, if I was if I was anywhere near that area, I'd be I'd be making it a very big part of my journey to sort of get and have a look at it, just because of that emotional connection, I guess, of um of fishing for them as a kid. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if too many countries would see the interest in it unless you had this popular micro version here and some mega version <laughs> of um yeah. yeah of this bread and butter species. It's it's crazy. And it's also such a visual thing. You, you you're fishing top water for it. You you're seeing the strike. It's a and it's a cool fish to fish for. Yeah, 
Yeah, they sound very similar in 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 um in in habitat and behaviour as the smaller fish, just massive. Yeah, I, yeah. I used to fish for a bream in, in uh, Mozambique in uh, in the estuaries. We used to call it a perch. Uh, probably also similar, but you used to throw little poppers right up against the mangroves, and they used to be super aggressive and come out and eat them. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know too much about your guys' uh, version. I don't know where you fish for them, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't nearly as big as the fish they get you on Oman, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not aware of that fish you're talking about in, in South Africa, the perch. But it, you know, yeah, they'll eat poppers here too, and they'll they'll they're just a, a very 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 opportunistic feeder. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, we call them rats with fins. There's just so rats many of them. Fins. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they, they hang out in yeah cities and love shopping trolleys as structure and just yeah yeah it. But they'll live in ultra clean systems. They're everywhere. They're just they're so uh, accessible, but very very smart. Like a, a thirty year old fish is only a kilo big, you know. So they're yeah, slow growing. Uh, they're, they're uh, very smart. They're like crows. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, um, Brandon, I see you get the odd milkfish over there. Is that is that something you can regularly or reliably target? Not 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 reliably. So where I fish for the Afrikaners up against the the cliff faces, um, sometimes you get a, a current or a wind line that that goes up and down that uh, the the cliffs, and then I'll see them. But it's not. I can't say, oh, let's go fish for milkfish. It'll just be uh, looking mm -hmm. for permit. Oh, there's a nice pot of milkfish. Let's go fish for them. Um, a couple couple times a month I'll see them, but not enough to say, okay, I'm going to go look for milkfish. It's just one of those things you happily come across. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of yeah. It's I guess um, uh, you know uh, over here that's that's sort of um, that's sort of how how you, uh, you you can't reliably find them in in many spots. There are some that'll make a, a liar out of me, but yeah, they're um, they're pretty opportunistic. Sometimes they're there, sometimes yeah. they're not. You know. Yeah, you just uh, bump into them, and if you do fish for them, otherwise carry on fishing for what you fish. That's that's what the way we look at it. We're fishing for permits, and then I might find them. Fish for them and then carry on for permit if, if they spook or, or we get one or something. Yeah. Yeah, well, it is what it is. Hey, um, do you get any uh, parrot fish on the, on the rocks where you get the Africanus? Anything like that? Uh, I do see parrot fish and wrasse. Um, yep. Not so much where I am. Up, up a bit north of me on the islands where, where they uh, target those big GTs. They get mm. there's a couple areas where they come up onto these shallow, flat, rocky beds, um, and you can target them there. Um, hell, hell of a good fun. These fish are skinny water tailing, big blue and red, like blobs just uh, sitting there, um, strong as anything as well. You hook them, you got to hold on tight. Um, uh, but not not so much where I am, and they're not you. You kind of there's only a certain amount of areas you can go and fish for them. They're not everywhere. They're, they're, they're kind of like an area, and then you won't find them in other areas. Don't know if that makes sense. Um, uh, you you don't really stumble across them too much unless you know where they are, and there will be a pod that is a resident to that area. Yeah, yeah, they're they're pretty. Um, well, most of those fish are, are fairly, I'd say, territorial, but they you know they have their grazing grounds, and that's it. You know that's um, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. They form they form a hierarchy. Apparently, they're they're actually hermaphrodites. A lot of those wrasse species. So, um, okay. the, the largest one will be the the dominant male and and have what they call a terminal male follow, uh, color phase, and uh, so they'll change they'll change their um, 
their color to um you know to to express their their dominance and then um if that one for whatever reason disappears gets taken out of the system moves on whatever um the next most dominant one will start undergoing a change and assume that um that position in the hierarchy pretty cool huh jeez that's amazing <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Mm, it, it um but don't they uh don't they live around coral like not so much just rocky reef the, the the ones here, there's not much coral, so they they on these rocky rocky beds. Um, uh, there might be a tiny bit of coral, but it's it's not like uh, where you get in the Seychelles or or where you guys are. It's you don't actually the corals. I'm not sure what these guys actually feed on then, because they where I fish, I've caught a few where I fish with them. It's just flat bedrock. Okay. And catching them on crabs, and they they're following crabs like like a permit does. Okay, cool. Pretty interesting, mate. Well, man, I think you've got a pretty diverse area there, Brandon. But, um, 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 so what's, uh, are you, are you pretty, um, if anyone wanted to book this in now, what's, uh, what's, what's your lead time? Where are you, are you pretty, pretty flat strapped with all the COVID stuff going on or? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're usually pretty busy. So uh, like guys are, are booking I mean, six months in advance is probably best. Unless we have like an open week or, or something like that, but but most of the time uh, you, you got to book pretty far in advance. It's it's only me running running the boat, so we're a, we're kind of one man show. So um, the, uh, there's only a certain amount of time in like weeks in a season that we that we have, and I don't have other boats that we use to fill. So yeah, I, I fill up pretty quickly, um, and usually most seasons i'm pretty pretty full back to back so yeah but, but quite far in advance of you if you want to get a spot yeah okay no yeah well that's um that's some pretty good advice is there um is there anything else that you you, you want to let us know about the area or your operation that we may not have covered that you think that might be important to add no i, th I think we pretty much covered covered most of uh most of it there um yeah Probably just just uh, go go and check the Instagram or, or the email because uh, uh, the the website because uh, to the the way we've been explaining these Afrikaners, you actually need to see a video, see it in real life to see these things actually tail and feed, because uh, it's something that that I don't see other fish feeding like that, which is uh, it's it is a must see. Yeah. Oh, it's, uh, um, some of that footage you've got there. Those those yeah yeah you're right. I mean you 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 were very right at the beginning to liken them to to Golden Trevally. That's for sure. It's uh, which a lot of Australians are familiar with. They tail pretty hard yeah. like that as well. Yeah, except these aren't. I mean, I, I fish for Goldens in in Oz. There's sort of smaller packs of them cruising around. I mean, but imagine that. But I sometimes see a group of fifty fish doing that in a in a small area, the size of like a car type of thing. So 50 yeah. fish packed onto that tightly tailing, throwing water they're tailing so hard. It's, it's quite a sight to see. Definitely gets <laughs> the permanent nerves going. That will also spring out of the water and give you a black eye if you get too close. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brandon, mate, it's been, it's been great talking to you. We might um, let you get back to what you're doing, mate. It's uh, a bit of a time difference between us. There's six hours between, so you've got your afternoon to look forward to, but I just want to say thanks for coming on and making the time. It's been pretty informative. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. It, uh, it was a great chatting with you guys. Yeah. Um, we actually did have one joke from a listener. Uh, so I don't know if it's a joke. It seemed like it to me, but he, the question was, um, uh, we wanted to know your line preference for the Dead Sea, a sinking line preference. Is that, 
No, nah, we're not going to run with that. Might even edit that out. That was such. <laughs> it's, uh... We're in the wrong ocean. <laughs> wrong ocean. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we might edit that puppy out. But um, thank, thank you, Mr. X, for sending that joke through. Um, but anyway, um, <laughs> now nah, look, we'll 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 uh, we'll continue on to the uh, to the exit stage left, and we'll let this interview go. It was pretty good up until then, I reckon. I was it was a great interview it certainly whet my appetite to, to chase those permit and um oh man that uh, the, the footage that you can see on Instagram is just mind-blowing it looks great yeah 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 all right but do you you guys need to come and see it in real life that's we got to get you guys out yeah yeah oh, that'd be insane and, uh yeah, yeah for sure mate we gotta wait for the world to sort of get back to normal first I suppose yeah. I know yeah, no, it's pretty, I mean, yeah, you, you guys have been locked down for quite a while. There. Uh, I'm dying to get back to Oz. I'm, I just need to get the knack and then, then I've ticked off all, all, all the, the permit species. Um, oh, nice. So I, I need to get out to, to Oz again. Where would well, you go? Mate, I'm interested to hear, you know, a, 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 say an outsider's perspective. Where would you go in Australia to chase a knack? Well, I'm not sure. So I, I fished Exmouth quite a while ago. Uh-huh. Um, I saw a few there, but but uh, that, that was about it. Um, it would have to be on the East Coast because I think that's where you guys are getting most of them. Um, yeah. There's, there's an operation, Australian fly fishing outfitters, that would be um, probably a pretty good point of call for you there, mate. And, and, um, okay. And, uh, yeah, but uh, I, can, um, I can swing you their details if you want at, at the end of here, yeah. mate. It's, um, I think I'll follow them on, on Instagram, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, probably because, I mean, yeah, you, there's a lot more by the looks of it on the East Coast. So the guys are catching quite a lot of them. Um, but yeah, no, that looks like an amazing, uh, amazing fish that. Yeah. And I promise you that they didn't submit that joke. So, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the time. <laughs> um, all right. Well, look, let's, let's wrap this up, mate. And, um, mate, one time we might get you more on to talk about how you're progressing with those Africanists, but it sounds like you got their number well and truly by now. That's for sure. Thanks. Uh, I'd love to. I, I had a great time. Awesome. All right. Let's get out of here. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, mate. So, obviously, you're uh, booking your ticket to Oman this week or what? <coughs> Look, I'll, I'll be straight down there. Here's me doing the uh, subconscious cough because I thought of travel, I thought of COVID. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like a, uh, a different form of virtue signaling, right? Yeah, yeah, the spicy cough. Mm. But, um, yeah, I was, uh, man, that was absolutely mouthwatering. I mean, it's safe. Um, there's plenty of fish. The numbers are staggering, you know, like people getting 20-odd fish in a week, 20-plus fish in a week, almost 30, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know the best kind of fishing, you know, tailing fish, challenging presentations, uh, rewarding hookups, hard fighting big fish, sight fishing. I don't know what else you want. You know, I, I really don't know. I don't know what else you want. That's that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, variety, man. Like, say for whatever reason, Brandon can't find the Africanus perms today. Well, you got block-eyed perms, you know, on the beach next to where the rocks are. Mm-hmm. and you know potentially some other shit but if that doesn't tickle your fancy you just go a couple of k's offshore and you know tease up some blacks blues stripes sails you know if the season's right big yellow fin 
what else do you fucking want? You know, a, a, re- a perm haircut. <laughs> How cool would that be? Cat perms well while having a perm. Yeah. But, uh, um, all jokes aside, I, I was actually pretty interested in uh, what he was saying. I know we probably hung on it a little bit longer, but I really wanted to paint the picture of um, of of the country a little bit for, for traveling. You know, I I hear Oman and I think to myself it's Middle East and I blanket out of not out of out of not arrogance but um um trying to think of the word just lack of education lack of lack of knowledge you know you you sort of blanket the area together so you sort of i feel like the questions are warranted you know in in asking about the area i mean brandon was pretty quick to say that like oh man this is and and explain it very well and it makes perfect sense that like um you know not all not all those areas would be the same not all areas have conflict um, I mean, like how I mean we all know about Abu Dhabi and um, in Dubai and things like that, and how how um, touristy that place is, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And to hear Oman to be like that as, as a seaport, like that makes perfect perfect fucking sense, that's for sure. I mean, I'd be interested. I mean, the fishing would be great for sure, but I mean, like just that whole experience of traveling to such a beautiful part of the world, like that, mm. you know, would be would be incredible. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Um... The sights, the sounds, the smell, the music, the food, you know, the, the atmosphere. Um, I guess we didn't ask him, you know, how long you'd typically recommend to get it done. Um, you know, what sort of, you know, tide timings and that sort of thing is, is that, you know, I'm presuming it's fairly critical based on the, the type of fishing it is. It's not the sort of place you'd roll up and do shit by yourself, but, you know, I, I would love to... Um, I'd love. It's definitely on the list of things to do now. Eh? It's on. The, it's on the fly fishing bucket list for me. Mm, yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that, like you know, if you were booking with Brandon, he, he would have options. And you know, if you yeah. said to him that you were you were dead set keen on on Africanus only catching stuff like that, well, you know, he's probably going to suggest times. But um, you know, I'm sure he's got places where they, where they are going to be at certain certain tides and certain stages of the tide, and and also to carry on. Anyway, plenty of options there. It sounds like, um, you know, the, there's no BCF there, so it's probably not flogged to death. And um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, it's it sounds like a sounds like a a, a great place to, to go for recreational fishing and particularly for fly fishing. Mm. I mean, the the pedigree behind behind. Um, oh, I've drawn a blank. Don't. Behind Brandon, jeez, man, I'm so tired. It's so yeah. late. I, um, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say Ray Montoya at one stage too. I mean, that guy's a a very prolific fisherman and well regarded too. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. So, it, you know, the people who are there, they're, they're good people catch, catching good fish. And, you know, this is legit fishery for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. That the the videos that we brought up in there, like I would I would recommend that if you hadn't written down the name or like you, you might be driving or something like that and you you, you can't go and have a look at the uh, instagram account it really assists this interview mm. you know like i really i realize that we're we're an audio platform uh and most people can be listening to this on the same device they could be looking at instagram and if you can it's really going to help you along to uh to to get you know the full color of what what's what we're talking about you know and mm-hmm. um, and that one with, with Ray, like that video we spoke about there of, of catching those block eye in that 
ultra skinny water like surfing the wash up you got to see that to believe it like you know you, you whatever you think think shallower you know it is it is it's wild eh? like you know and i think <laughs> even his caption is like this is why we tell people not to walk on the edge of the water <laughs> it's staggering hey um maybe we maybe in the promotion of the show we could share one of those um movies to our stories just so people can find the link easily and get a get a taste for it perhaps um, for sure <clears throat> yeah it might be worth a look but, yeah there's uh, a lot yeah, yeah You're right, mate. That, you go sorry Bob. that that um that page is is just mouth-watering sight fishing porn it's really good a good rich stuff. tapestry of uh <laughs> <laughs> of piscatorial delights. <laughs> oh, it's so definitely good. a page that smells of rich mahogany <laughs> and leather, leather bound, bound. leather bound <laughs> flats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, man. It, it's it's world class. And you know what? There's not there's, there's not a great deal of people following Brandon's page. Like in contrast to sorry, not in contrast in in. Um, when when keeping in mind the quality of the fishing that he's got in the quality of the images that he's that he's got on his page, I I really recommend people. I mean, we never really sit here at the end of the show going, really recommend you go to that dude's. We always suggest people go and have a look at it, but follow it. You know, like it's such a good page, such a good page. You know, mm-hmm. and he's like he's obviously no mug. Like coming from coming from um, guiding Alphonse and and um, and and obviously you say he was guiding in Mozambique as well. Yeah, didn't he? Yep. Yeah, he yep. did. Yeah, started out in Mozambique. Yeah, pretty well-rounded dude. Like, you know, fishes for bass and the tiger fish, and 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 you know, obviously starting off in the surf. Like, it's it's a similar story to, to many people who are at the same stage. Well, you can't say the same stage of their career because you know he's a world-class guy, and not unfortunately not everyone's at that level. But for the length of the time you've been been fishing, I always like to get that story. I'm quite enjoying getting that story behind the person as well that we're that we're that we're finding out about, you know. So mm. it's um it's interesting to know, you know. Like I'd be surprised to hear if someone like Brandon goes, oh, you know, like we we just threw a dart at the map and went to Oman and thought fly fishing would be fun, you know. Yeah. It's uh, it's never going to be like that. So it's it's just really interesting to hear the background to it, in my opinion. Can you I hope imagine? Enjoy it too. Yeah, yeah. Can can you imagine the work that goes from from finding a location and you know, bear in mind, like what he said is less than five people in Oman who fly fish, and that includes him and his missus. Mm. You know, um, you know, like you've got to do a lot of legwork to to find to find where you want to go, like to find, to establish if it's you know if it's viable, and then you you know you you're really taking a punt. You, you know, you're putting it all in. That, that you can make it work and that people will come and, and sample this wonderful fishery and um, you know like I, I think we're only just starting to hear about how good this place is yeah absolutely mate um, yeah. you know it's, it's worth mentioning that um, that Brandon's Brandon's wife is is definitely no slouch as a, as a fly fisher as well you know um, yeah. so his, his wife's name's Claire um, I don't know if Brandon wants us to, to put that out there but I mean it wouldn't take much investigation to, to track her down from that page, but I mean, you can just go and see she's she's got she's got some incredible fish, you know. You know the word on the street is that she's a, she's throws a better loop than Brandon, eh? 
<laughs> I don't know if that was appropriate to laugh at that. She probably does. You know? <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah, yeah. You're, I'm just stirring up Brandon here. Nah, yeah, yeah. Was, um, uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty cool, you know, to have um, to have that opportunity to share it, share it with your wife, and you know, keen, keen fly fisherman um, too. You know, that's a, it's a it's a really unique scenario, and. Um, I don't, I'm envious, you know. I think it's a, it's a really cool setup, and um, I'm really happy for him that you know he's he's taken a punt and he's he's got himself a, a cool fishery laid out in front of him, and you know now he's now he's um, you know selling it to the to the world. It's great. Selling it, brother. Hell yeah. Selling it probably sounds a little bit sinister. I think he's sharing it, you know. So, yeah. 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 No, it's his business. Yeah, of course he's going to share it, and and he's allowed to sell it as well. I mean, he's he's put yeah. the yards in. Like, I mean, if the only one who'd be who'd be, have the right to sort of turn around and go, ah, is you know, can I uproot yourself from from the country that you live in, go somewhere in the yep. Middle East and develop a fishery, and then develop a business from that fishery? Yeah, he's fully got the bragging rights, mate. Like he's 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 put the yards in, one hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, uh, might add big fan of the stream art crabs too. A lot of those, yeah. um, a lot of those pictures there you'll see of um, um, there'll be a stream art crab just just nestled right down the back of the throat of a lot of those fish. It's for those playing along at home. Right up, cool man. <laughs> Ruth, nice. Ruthless sponsors plug, mate. You know. <laughs> I wish I knew where I could get them, mate. You know, like huh. funny you should ask that, mate. Plenty of stock over at beastbrushes.com. All right, cool. That's great. Yeah. You yep. know, fast delivery, great pricing, good advice. Um, great advice. You know, yeah. Real <laughs> advice for your time on the voice and the water. What a, I can't remember what the catchphrase was. You remember it? No. <laughs> nah. Ah, we'll think of another yeah. one soon. Might yep. get you to do yep. the read, hey? Well, look, I, I'd love, I'd love for, uh, for, for, for Brandon to develop a, a fly for, um, for the region using beast brushes materials and he could call it the beast from the middle east what do you reckon <laughs> is that yep. up dog or not <laughs> that's, up, that's, that's up dog as hell dude that's awesome is that, <laughs> yeah. is that joke totally dead sea or what you know like oh. <laughs> tell you what mate i'm not even going to name the person who, who wrote that in okay but hey, mate, you- all i can put it down to is just complete sleep deprivation like it's just so hard to develop to deliver these incredible watertight <laughs> jokes i know mate so Brandon, witty. what's your favorite sinking line for the dead sea <laughs> good one i don't know uh, that's my fault for saying that poor that guy was, he hung around fun. though he, he took it well you know so yep Brandon, if you're still listening, dude, thank you very much for your time. You did a great job. One of my favourite podcasts that I've um, that I've done. Mate. That was really good. I agree, dude. Thanks, Brandon. And uh, not that we haven't said it a million times off the air, but we want to say it again on the air. Um, good on you, dude. Appreciate you making the time, dude. And uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, get over and check it out. Even better, get over there and fish with the dude. Yeah. All right. All right. Let us. Yeah, we're coming close to the end of the year. Yeah. One more show, what do you reckon? Yep. Yep. There might be a chance I might not be here for the next show. Well, I hope you are, but if you're not, I'm cool with that too. I hope I'm not, because the alternative is much better than the show. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, let's wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'll be back for the final show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, we, we potentially got two more shows to the end of the year. Oh, two. Yep. Cool. Yep. Next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'll be... um. Then the guy, the big fat guy in the red suit will be coming the week after that. We're having a little break, like we do each Christmas. Yep. We're going to have a little break. Get on the beams. Yeah. Relax. That's it. All right, All right let's man. get out of here. Catch gotcha. you. Ta-da.